Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, they do it again. The Utah Jazz pick up another win. They take down Philadelphia. They've won eight in a row, and they have won 19 out of 20. They have vanquished the best in the East, taking down Philadelphia, who had the best record, Milwaukee with the second-best record, early in the week the Celtics, who had the fourth-best record, Miami, who doesn't have a great record but came in with a four-game win streak because he got Jimmy Butler back. He'd missed a bunch of games. Basically, he's missed about half their games this season. And the Jazz took them down, and now it'll be back to the Western Conference and the Clippers on Wednesday and Friday. See if they can take them down. Is there... (laughs) It's just unbelievable. And you're just not supposed to win 19 out of 20 in the NBA. You're not supposed to. They won 11 in a row. Denver got them one afternoon, and they've just rattled off eight more wins in a row. And this one was a little different. They didn't get a 20-point lead against Philly, and the lead late went down to four points in the fourth quarter, but it didn't, it didn't get any tighter than that. It still was... I thought the game was still in doubt with about five minutes ago. I think, you know, depending on who you are, somewhere around the two- or three-minute mark, you thought, okay, this, this is done. And at the one-minute mark, I think everybody thought it was done. Uh, so there was, relatively speaking, more tension. Now, that's not the same as the last couple of possessions, having to get a bucket, having to get a stop. Obviously, there, there could have been more. But <laughs> they have so many ways to win. We've been talking about how they won with defense. They win when Rudy goes off. They win when Joe has a big game. Now they win with Jordan Clarkson having a big game. And obviously... You know, Donovan Mitchell and Billy Bogdanovich, those are kind of the two guys you expect to score a lot of points. But Clarkson went for 40. He came off the bench and scored 40. He had eight three-pointers, which ties the Jazz franchise record. And he was just out of his mind. And the Jazz got down 14 early. Uh, but the way they play and the confidence they have, that's not a big deal. And they took the lead before halftime. Didn't trail in the second half. I'm, I'm running out of some per, superlatives here, people. Uh, Larry the Laker tweeting, you know, it's great, to pe- it's great to peak a third of the way through the season. You can't win the championship, Ryan Smith said this. He was on the broadcast last night. You know, they don't give out trophies in February. You can't win the championship now. It's going as well as it can. It's a long road from here to June and July, which is when I assume the playoffs will be. There may be some playoffs in late May. We'll have to see how the schedule plays out. Um, you know, stuff can go wrong. We saw AD limp off the court. Lakers were playing the Nuggets on Sunday night. And he's had an Achilles problem, and clearly it flared back up. They got an MRI, which I think was relatively good news. I mean, he's out, so that's not good news. He's going to be out. I would be shocked if we saw him before the All-Star game. I don't think there's any way that's going to happen. Uh, he's getting a follow-up. Uh, he had the MRI in Denver, but he's getting a follow-up today in L.A., and I think, uh, I think it's pretty universal across the league. We're not going to see him until after the All-Star break. Sometime in March, and maybe later. You know, we'll have to see what they, they find out and how it heals and how it feels in a couple weeks. So injuries, we've seen injuries wreck teams in the playoffs, uh, LeBron's Cavs. Uh, we've seen teams get all the way to the finals and get wrecked by injuries. Just a couple of years ago with the Warriors losing Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson during the finals. So lots of stuff can happen. And, I mean, Larry's, you know, he's a Laker fan. He's trying to tweak Jazz fans. But there is something to the, you know, make sure you don't peak now. And, you know, it's hard to top 19 out of 20. Uh, but, man, <laughs> this is impressive. All right, we got the best of the postgame show coming up. Next up, we're going to talk BYU basketball with assistant coach Corey Finger. Stay with us. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Cody Figure, BYU assistant basketball coach. Cody, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. How are you guys doing? Good. We are doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be on. I'm a huge fan of you guys' show. Well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm curious, uh, what is the BYU coaching staff doing with itself now? You have a very unusual long layoff in the middle of the conference season. Maybe you're trying to plug it with a game, or maybe you're doing something different midseason. What, what is the game plan now? Uh, right, right now, um, we're, uh, you know, we took uh, it was, we took Wednesday off, and uh, th- these next three days, we're just going to f- kind of focus on ourselves. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to just kind of focus on ourselves and not other teams throughout this conference. Um, so, you know, we're focused on our, our physicality and just different things that we need to get better at uh, with, with our team first. Um, and then we'll uh, start off Pacific and LMU next week. So what's more difficult, Cody, trying to match Mark Pope's enthusiasm or beat Gonzaga? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, both, both are uh, really, uh, really tough, tough, tough goes. Gonzaga's a heck of a team, and Coach Pope brings that every day. So both are pretty tough. <sighs> Uh, your link to the uh, to the Utah area, your roots uh, your roots run deep. When I saw you were from Wisconsin, I thought, well, I can only think of one link, and sure enough, there it was. Yeah, Coach Majerus. Um, I uh, you know started out at his basketball camps when I was younger in uh, Wisconsin at Cardinal Street basketball camp, and when I got uh, 16 years old, he actually asked me to basketball camp. Um, and then when I graduated high school, he first asked at University of Utah, but I'm really cheap, so I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to pay out-of-state tuition, and I knew I wanted to coach. So uh, he decided to uh, give me scholarships so I come so I could come work for him, and I worked for him for a couple of years and uh, had a great relationship with uh, Coach Majerus. So then how did that transfer over to Mark Pope because you've been with him now? Yeah, so, you know, I kind of went from um, University of Utah, and I got to know so many different people in Utah, so many great people. Um, Worked with Chris Jones and, uh, you know, Tim Lacombe, and uh, we we became close. And, you know, Tim um, worked at uh, BYU for a long time, obviously, and um, I was working at Louisiana Tech in the time, and we, we stayed close, and when a job opportunity came open at BYU, I got close with Coach Rose and um, got a chance to be hired at, as the director of basketball operations back in 2014 and 15 at BYU or 2013-14. Um, so, uh, and then I got to meet Coach Pope there. And uh, Coach Pope and I developed a great relationship, and then he got the head coaching job at Utah Valley, and I went with him there. And then when he came back to BYU, I came back with him. 
So you have all these influences. How do they uh, show themselves in the BYU program today? What do you see that is a little bit of uh, Dave Rose? What do you see that's a little bit of Rick Majerus? Obviously with Coach Pope, he's the head coach. His fingerprints are all over it. But what about the other guys? So with, with Coach Majerus, I, I think there's a lot of uh, attention to detail um, and relentless work ethic. Um, I, think, I think that's something that it's just – an all-day, everyday thing, and like you said, that's that's a lot of part a part of Coach Pope's DNA. Um, and with Coach Coach Rose, is just giving his players so much confidence at all times um, to be their best and play their best. I think those are the two two main things that uh, portray in this program right now. I'm fascinated on how Mark Pope builds his teams. Now it's only been a couple teams here with BYU. And last year, we know he's relying a lot on transfers. Both of the years that he was, that he's been the head coach, but last year the transfers were were somewhat different in that you know you bring Toulson back, but it really wasn't a new situation. Obviously, he had been there before, and there's not a lot of physical distance between UVU and BYU. So I imagine guys are playing together with each other so they have some form of uh, relationship even if it's not a formal one on the same team so you could see that transfer situation being maybe smoother than others and now this year same type of deal you're bringing in some jc guys you're bringing in the big kid from purdue averitt's from down the street uvu also but has this year been a little more difficult to mold guys into a team versus what it was last year? Because even though you had some transfers, you still had a bunch of guys who'd been in the program for a good while? Yeah, I, w- I would say this year it's just taken a little bit longer. You know, um, throughout the summer we didn't, we didn't, uh, weren't able to get with them as much as we usually did, like the, the past year. Um, just because with, you know, COVID and everything going on. Um, but I, I would say, you know, it's just been, yeah, like you said, we, we only brought in a couple transfers last year, and this year it's like, what, nine new guys or, or whatever. So it's just been uh, a little bit different bringing in all these different lineups and just seeing what fits, and, and it's just taking a little bit longer. Um, but this group's got great, great amount of energy and, and brings it every single day. It's been a really fun team to coach. Um, and, uh, you know, Matt, Matt Harms coming from Purdue brings a lot of his senior leadership. Um, Alex Barcelo, obviously, he was with us last year. Um, and then Brandon Averitt, those, those three seniors have been, been crucial for us this year. And they're, they're kind of uh, pushing our guys to get better every day. Um, yeah, those guys have uh, really, really like Matt. Matt Harms, you know, coming from Purdue, a Big Ten program. <clears throat> excuse me, as uh, you know, just kind of really helped help mold our guys together because you know he just wants to win at the end of the day, and he's really helped our, our team improve um, just just on that, and just kind of everybody sacrificing for each other. Cody Feger joining us, BYU assistant basketball coach. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, working with guys, getting guys to be more physical. You know, you, you've got a lot of size on the team, and there are games where it has really destroyed other teams. 
but also there are times where it just seems to go away and they get taken out of games. And Gonzaga did, and obviously Gonzaga's undefeated, number one. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how, do, how do teams take those guys out of games? What can you do to prevent it? Because you know going forward, assuming the NCAA tournament goes off here in Indianapolis as they're planning, people are going to look at the Gonzaga tape, they're going to look at other tapes, and you, and you know what they're going you know to decide. Yeah, it's just something that we just focus on and talk about every single day. Um, you know, it's it's hard to do in practice sometimes because you want to be really physical, but you don't want also guys to get injured in practice. Um, but we watch film, we show clips of it, and we just we go against pads a lot. And, you know, yesterday we had a long day of just kind of going at each other over and over again, whether it's rebounding or ducking in in the post or, you know, defending the ball, whatever, whatever. Uh, you know, we were doing was just talking about that physicality over and over again, and that's just something that we're just going to take a huge step forward. Talking about screening, you know, um, um, you know, rebounding, making and maintaining contact, hitting, hitting every single possession. Um, so it's just something that we're we're just continuing to talk about every play, every possession. So one guy who's got me way excited is this loner kid. I love the way his rebounds. I love his tenacity. I know he got off to a slow start a little bit as far as shooting goes, but I would think that overall the way he's developed as just a freshman, you guys have got to be pleased. Oh, yeah, we're, we're really excited. You know, he, he's one of those guys that's, that's uh, coming into the office every single day wanting to watch film, and he's staying in the gym and shooting until late at night. He just cares so much about this team and just getting better, and he just wants to wants to please the coaching staff. And um, his when he's focusing on defense and rebounding, he, he's unbelievable because the offense is going to come, and he's gotten better and better, like you said, down the line here. And he, he's just been so much fun to coach. And you know, we we watched some of the film from yesterday, and he's knocking into everybody's body, and he just gets right up like he. he it's unbelievable all the hits he takes and just keeps on standing and keeps on coming and he's just nonstop bowl of energy. It, it, he's been, he's been fun, to, fun to coach. Yeah. So the the uh, the transfers PK touched on earlier. You know, so many people as you talk about your background, right? You've come across so many people, and so many people in basketball have that. I'm curious with the portal. When a name hits a portal, how often are you surprised, and how much? Because everybody knows everybody, is the word kind of out, hey, look, this guy's name could pop up pretty soon. How much of a heads-up do you get with that? Uh, it just kind of depends. You know, we'll hear something once in a while. Um, coach will say something, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hear about it a little early sometimes. Um, but, like, let's just say Alex Barcelo, like, uh, his name just popped up on, one day last year on June 23rd. Um, it was two years ago and, you know, we just started calling right away and we didn't have a, have a relationship with his AAU coach or anybody, but we just started dialing in and calling, calling him right away. And same with Matt Harms, you know, those are two guys that, that we just had no prior relationship at all. And just kind of went out and worked for him. And, you know, Jake Toulson, obviously we had a, had a great relationship with, and he wanted to come and, um, but. You know, sometimes you, you hear stuff, but you're never for sure, so you just wait until they name to the portal and start calling right away. So I'm really interested as far as BYU goes because obviously you have the influence of the LDS Church involved, and to me you get Averett, 
would be obvious. He's been in the community. He's aware of it. And Barcelo's been down there in Arizona, my home area, and I know where he went to high school. And that side of town on the East Valley, there's tons of LDS folks. So he has a, a familiarity with them for sure. I'm sure he's played with them. He's got neighbors and so forth. So he has at least an understanding. Not sure about harms, but going forward there, is that something – that you have to just hit right off the bat as far as explaining what folks are about and Provo and all that stuff? How does that work? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, that's something that we'll talk about right away with recruits just so they, they know they get a heads up. Like, so when I was coming from Wisconsin, um, I had no idea what a Mormon was. I'd never heard of one. Um, and, uh, (laughs) and, you know, coach Majera said, Hey, it's, it's just like, just like everybody else, just normal and everything's fine. And, and I got here, and yeah, there's there's no big difference. You just hear all these weird things, um, but at the end of the day, it, it's it's you just tell them exactly what kind of school is about, what's important to the school, and and um, you know about coffee and you know alcohol and women and all that all that kind of stuff. We just kind of give them a heads up right away, and you know guys, you know. You know, guys aren't don't shy away from it. And they're not scared because the guys we want to bring in want to be pros at the end of the day. They're not worried about the off the court kind of issues any, anyway. You know, we don't want to bring the guys in that don't want to be pros. We want we want players that want to come in here and, and want to take basketball serious and not worry about the outside stuff. How much uh, when you have a coaching change? I'm always curious about how much you can keep the alumni involved, recruiting, and they've had some guys go overseas, which can take people out of the loop. How much effort have you spent on that, connecting with the past and trying to keep those guys involved with the program? Because they're another pair of eyes for recruits, another pers- perspective. Oh yeah, for sure. No, that, that's something that you know, Coach Pope hit on uh, since day one since we came to BYU was just staying in touch with all the alumni. You know, we try we try to have a couple of alumni nights last year. Try to invite the alumni to every single game. Um, that that's something that we talk about every day um, as a staff. Really, is just staying in touch with this alumni and and want them to feel vested in this program because they built this place. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll I'll talk to different um, players like Eric Nika, and you can go down the line: Tyler Hawes, Jonathan Tabinari. Um, Travis Hanson, everybody wants to help this place out, like you said, alumni, and and that's been a fantastic resource for us. So you got a kid from this Wasatch Academy on your pro, in your program, and I think you got a commitment uh, from somebody to join it. Well, tell us about what's going on down at that place, and what's the connection as far as BYU being able to mine that for potential players. Uh, Wasatch Academy, you know, it's a, it's an hour and ten minutes down the road. Uh, Paul Peterson is the head coach now, um, and we got a great relationship with Paul. He's he's trained a lot of former BYU guys, um, and then Anson Winder is an assistant coach there now. So we've got a p- plenty of guys that have uh, you know great great feel for that program, um, and th- they they have a great great deal down there. They can bring in top players in the country and, and it's a great location for us. And it's kind of hidden away a little bit. Um, they're playing great talent every single week. Um, but that, that's a, that's a relationship that's going to keep on growing and keep on getting better for us. So when you look at your coaching staff, Cody, how short do you feel? 
Um, you know, every day I, I, I know I'm just kind of used to it. I don't think about it. Now when I get, get home, sometime my, sometimes my son will say, say some weird things to me and we're all giving a second look and he'll be like, dad, are you the shortest guy or is Brandon Averett the shortest guy out there? And, uh, so that, that's the only thing that kind of makes me feel a little bit different or, uh, um, my, uh, my friend the other day was telling me that, uh, he was just Googling my name for just to find this picture to send me. And, uh, the first thing that came up was Cody Feger height. So, I wonder if everyone thinks I'm about five foot three or what. <laughs> it's like Lord of the Rings. It's all trick photography. Just tell them it's all Hollywood. <laughs> well, Cody, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little Cougar basketball. All right. Appreciate you guys having me on. We're going to take a break. Come back with the best of the postgame show. As the Utah Jazz win again. Really impressive. They took Philly down. Stay with us. That's next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. The Utah Jazz win again. Jordan Clarkson. 40 points, 8 in a row, 19 out of 20. Best record in the NBA. They beat the best in the East in Philly. Incredible. They are playing great, great basketball. All right, here's Jake with the best of the postgame show. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz have now won 19 of their last 20 games. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers last night in Vivian Arena, 134 to 123. No Joel Embiid for Philly. Ben Simmons has a career-high 42 points. Tobias Harris has his second-highest point total of his career with 36, and it doesn't matter. The Jazz still win by 11. Jordan Clarkson, 40 points coming in off the bench, 13 to 20, shooting 8 for 13 from three, six of seven for the li- uh, from the line. It was the first 40-point performance from a Jazz bench player since Thurl Bailey did it uh, back in 1988 against the Denver Nuggets when Big T had 41. Donovan Mitchell last night added 24. He had five assists and three boards. Joe Ingles continues to be absolutely lights out, filling in for Mike Conley in the starting lineup. Uh, of course, Joe Ingles' show every Thursday right here on DJ and PK. Joe last night, 20 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, and the Jazz win again in this four-game homestand against four of the Eastern Conference's best teams in Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, and the Sixers. The Jazz go 4 and oh. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, so, Q, um, Jordan obviously was was pretty huge for you guys tonight, uh, just two points off of his career high. What can you say just about the spark that he was able to give you in that first quarter and, and the way he was able to continue it for the rest of the game? Well, I thought, you know, first of all, Philadelphia, they played, they played great. I mean, um, you know, it took us – making some big plays at the end of the game, but, you know, Ben Simmons and Tobias and Dwight Howard on the glass, um, 
and that you, you could see it from the beginning of the game. Uh, I didn't think our defense it was too porous early, and they were getting to the rim. You know, we struggled to protect the paint. And, you know, when Jordan came in and, you know, had the performance that he had, um, you know, we've seen that obviously before, um, but that was, you know, another level. Um, I thought it, it, it kept us in the game where, you know, halftime, whatever, even, even early, especially where we were within striking distance in the first half because of the way those guys um, came in and played. And, you know, him in particular, obviously with, with his, you know, he's not bashful and we don't want him to be. Sarah Todd does right news. To follow up on that. And Quinn, I'm not being facetious when I ask this, how many players have you been around that have the confidence that Jordan Clarkson has? Well, it's unique. I think, um, especially I'd have to think about it and I may not be able to give you anybody, but I, I think, you know, the, the mix that, that he has of his aggressiveness, both from the three-point line and at the rim, we've really talked a lot about, you know, his ability to, to shoot threes as opposed to, you know, settling um, for the mid-range when he's he's so good at the rim. And one of the things he's doing is when he does get in the paint, um, you know, he's such a good finisher, but he's also, you know, he's got his eyes out. And, you know, we want his eyes on the rim, um, but he's also been unbelievably unselfish. And as you said, um, you know, I believe in him and his teammates believe in him. And, you know, that that's, you know, he's confident to begin with, but I think that takes him um, to a really good place mentally. And I just like the things, the other things he's trying to do as well. I think the way that he's thrown himself into the game, you know, you see him on the offensive glass, um, you see him trying to defend, you know, I think that just, that helps, you know, that helps him stay focused and, you know, he doesn't meet need, he doesn't need to be too open, you know, to, to be aggressive and shoot the ball. And that's what we want. That's what his teammates want to and Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, low, uh, Royce's low post defense specifically has been pretty fabulous over the last, I mean, pretty much all season. Is that something you teach him? Has he just learned that because he's had so many matchups? What is it? Well, I, I think, you know, I think he's gotten better um, guarding different situations. And he's, you know, whether it's guarding Simmons times tonight um, or Harris, you know, he guarded onto the compo the other night, as well as Jimmy Butler, you know, and all those players are different. And as you mentioned, I, I think the thing that he does the most on the post is he just competes and, you know, he's relentless with his competitiveness. And, you know, we, we had a chance to speak yesterday um, because I, I think he's so crucial to our team and what he was able to do late in the game. You know, we want him, we talk about Jordan and obviously, you know, what Jordan did tonight was special. Um, but what Royce did, you know, having the confidence to keep shooting the ball um, and make those two big threes late, you know, that was tremendous. And, you know, you, you notice every time, you know, the ball gets swung to him, he's open, guys want him to shoot. And that's what he did. And, you know, that shows his mental toughness and it shows his teammates and his coaches belief in him. Kristen Kenny. Hey, Coach, you're not just winning games, but you're getting these big leads and stringing together these big runs. What do you attribute that to? Well, I wish we would have got a better lead tonight early, um, but I think – 
you know, I, I think we're connected for one thing. So, you know, when we, when, when teams do teams, you know, we're playing really good teams and um, when they go on runs against us, um, we're able to withstand them. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. You know, I think everybody, you know, likes the way we're playing. Um, but I've said it before. I'll say it again. Um, you know, we're just trying to get better. And, you know, if we do get a lead, part of it is learning to play with a lead. Um, and tonight it was taking a punch and continuing to, to, to compete in battle. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, what are some of the things you guys think you, you, you think you could have done better defensively against, especially Ben Simmons tonight? I think at the beginning of the game, Andy, um, you know, he just had, he had too much space in transition and, you know, there's a lot of times that he'll drive the ball and he's so big, he's finding shooters, whether it's Harris or Curry or green um, tonight. He, I think he attacked the rim more early. Um, you know, I, I think with, he, he felt the game and, you know, then, so we, we had to get back um, and, and show him more of a crowd and just, you know, have a, make, make it harder for him to see a drive to, to, to deter him basically. And then, you know, the other, thing is his ability to get to the line um you know we could have fouled him less it's easy for me to sit here and say that um but you know i thought he got to the line that was one thing that we wanted to do a better job keeping off the line and obviously late you know when when we we, he was uh, he was posting up um it's really difficult to help off seth curry it's difficult to help off green and particularly the way tobias is playing too so um you know maybe we could help a little more from our bigs you know i, I think um it's more collective that rudy's got to come over a little sooner we got to protect rudy on the boards that's probably you know the chain reaction because um he gets that deep in the post and he's got that jump hook it's it's you know it's virtually impossible to block that shot um so maybe we give each other a little more help. Um, but really, as much as anything, you know, tip your hat. Um, at, at certain times, there was good defense and it was better offense. David Aldridge, The Athletic. Quinn, uh, Giannis said the other day um, after after your game that he thought you all were playing with a lot of joy. And I wonder if, if you see that manifest uh, with your squad right now in terms of how the ball's moving and how the – Joint sacrifices are going defensively. Yeah, who said that, David? I'm gonna... Giannis. 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 Yeah, um, yeah I, I think you know sharing the ball is emblematic of that. Um, I think you know I think Jordan said it you know a couple weeks ago even that you know and I mentioned it the other night there there are shots I, I don't think guys are um, thinking about. You know, their, their shots. And as a result, you know, I think those shots become easier because people want each other to take them um, more than anything. You know, when you're defending, that's something really you have to do collectively. And, you know, when you, you see guys having each other's back, um, but maybe the biggest thing is our communication, um, you know, in, in timeouts um, and, and really on the court, you know, it's one thing to communicate in dead ball situations, free throws, timeouts, but our guys are doing a really good job of, uh, of supporting each other, talking to each other about, you know, little things and adjustments that they want to make in the game. So I think anytime you throw yourself completely into a team, 
you know, you get rewarded for it and it's fun, you know, to, to be a part of something that's bigger than any one guy individually. That's, you know, one of the special things about team sports, you know, because you get to share what you're doing with other people and, you know, our guys are working and they're trying to get better. And um, sometimes being in the moment and focusing like that, you know, is it, it helps you play well. Last question, David James, KUTV. Quinn, Jordan plays with such energy. Do you have to watch his minutes? Is there a point of diminishing returns with him? Have you seen anything there, or do you just let him go? I I let him go. <laughs> you know, we talked about it the other day. I've got to be crazy to take him out sometimes at the end of the quarter, at the end of the game. Um, but that's a rhythm that we're in. Um, and that's not to say there aren't games who he will finish, you know. Um, but he has such – it goes a little bit to, you know, David's question that, you know, I, I think um, it's easy to be upset or when you come out of the game and any, any player feels that, and that's natural. Um, and, you know, that's something that we kind of laughed about, just me telling him that, you know, uh, I appreciate – him at least hiding it when he comes out. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, he, he trusts the guys that, that are playing, you know, in front of him. When I say in front of him, I mean in the minutes category um, because he isn't starting the game. But more than anything, I, I think he takes great pride um, in those situations. So even if he gets a little fatigued, um, you know, I think he's, he's mentally tough enough and he, he just loves to play. I mean, that that's probably the biggest thing. And when you're playing and you love to play, you don't really feel tired. There's Quinn Snyder. His team is red hot. They beat the Sixers last night, 134 to 123. Let's get some player sound. Let's start with Joe Ingles. Tony Jones, the athletic. Joe, you were the first one. Like to 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 you know celebrate on the court when when Royce hit that that huge three against the clock, you know what's Man. it like seeing his progression, um, you know offensively, you know to being able to take big threes and, and make plays off the dribble. Um, I mean, uh, I think it's it's grown and grown. Um, obviously, the more he's been out there and and the more confident uh, he's got with those situations. Um, I, I mean, I honestly still think he needs to shoot more. I think he passes up threes at times that not necessarily hurt our team, but we sometimes don't get a better shot than him shooting a kind of that, that wing three or the, the the corner three, which he's obviously so good at. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've had my fair share of times that I've been told to shoot it, but he's catching up to me pretty quickly. Um, but I think... I mean, he, he's. I mean, we see him work at it every day, and he's so consistent with it. Um, I don't know his numbers over the last few years, but obviously forty plus, whatever forty, give or take. Um, yeah, I mean, I try. It's probably stupid coming from me because I always get told to shoot it when I'm open, but I, I try and get him to shoot it as much as possible. We played bloody hot potato for a second there, that the end one, trying to get him to shoot it, but. No, we're we're a really good team when he shoots the ball, um, and like you said, he's he's so good at the the hard closeout and rip through and making plays, um, throwing it to Rudy on the lobs or kicking out for for corner threes. So we we need him to take those shots. We want him to take those shots, and and he, I mean he needs to take them. So he'll keep he'll keep figuring out. He's a he's a smart dude, and um, he'll keep making the right plays. Chris and Kenny, Just TV. 
coach was talking about JC's energy level. Have you played with anyone that has that amount of energy? I've never played with anyone like JC in my lifetime on the court or off the court. Um, Yeah. He just, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to play with someone that's kind of so locked in, I guess, to, to what his role is and so comfortable in the role that he has. He doesn't necessarily like, I kept saying he, he got fouled on the three as I was walking up and coach told me to leave him. Then he, he won't like me saying it, but he screwed up on defense. So coach told me to go back up there to sub him out. And then he made, I think he made a corner three right after that. And I was ready. I was ready to walk back down and give him a couple more minutes. Um, and there was a timeout right after that. And I apologized to him for subbing him out, but he, like he, he's, he was happy. Like he's, He's just so comfortable and happy in his role. He he knows what we want him to do. He he knows what he needs to do for our team. Um, regardless whether he comes in at the seven, the four, the two, he's he's hot from when he gets in. So um, yeah, it's a, it's it's awesome to play with a guy like that, and um, even more cool just just for, like I said for him to have a role, accept a role, and 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 be pretty darn good at his role uh it's it's obviously been a a huge impact since we got him um on this team andy larson salt lake tribune so joe two-part question speaking of shooting a lot you are shooting more this year you're you're taking the three more and then uh you're also driving inside and, and making more of your twos as well than you ever have in your career what, what is that more spacing i mean kind of what are you seeing out there that's enabling you to be more aggressive and more successful um, I mean, I think a part of it uh, is obviously the role that I'm kind of in this year too. Um, usually coming off the bench, obviously with with our full roster and kind of like JC, like just obviously I'm I'm happy to to do whatever it is. And like I said, this this year coming off the bench, and um, uh, I think like I said last year, just being kind of in and out of the starting lineup and coming off the bench, and I hadn't come off the bench for a while. Um, since my first couple of years and just adjusting to it and, and picking times when I can be aggressive and when I'm spacing in the corner or whatever it is. And um, when me, I think me and Fave go in usually at the, the seven together and um, yeah, just, just trying to be as aggressive as I can in, in those moments that I, that I have a play called for me or um, I'm able to rebound it and go in transition. Um, I think just the, like I said, like JC, just having a very uh, good, clear um, role, which I, I know what my role is. Obviously, it changes at times with with injuries or, or whatever guys in and out. But yeah, my, my standard role of, of coming off the bench, trying to be aggressive and um, kind of like I was saying about Royce, the, the guys want me to shoot, coach wants me to shoot. So when I'm open, I've just got to be, be aggressive. And uh, I think the the way we're playing this year, we're a bit more pace and trying to shoot in transition and, and get those threes up and get the rim. Um, I shot one mid-range today, which I'll probably never do again, but it obviously suits my game to, to, to get in the paint and, and create and finish or or shoot threes. So, um, yeah, just trying to trying to be as aggressive as I can when those those moments come up. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, you spoke about uh, Royce becoming a more confident shooter obviously everyone kind of knows what he does on the other end but he continues to show his versatility with just the sheer number of different types of guys he can guard what can you say about you know what he's been doing over this last stretch guarding everyone from Tatum to Giannis to Butler to 
Simmons to, you know, everyone tonight. Yeah, I mean, he, um, he, it's kind of, kind of the, the same as JC on the other end of the floor. He, he accepts the, the challenge and that role. And, I mean, he knows he's going to be on the, the best player, usually kind of one through four um, with all those names you've mentioned. Um, and I think it's a, like I said, like it's a big thing for somebody to accept a role um, and, and be really good at it. And he has embraced it. He, he loves the challenge of guarding whoever it is on a, a nightly basis. And um, the other end of the floor, obviously offensively is, has kind of helped him even more. Cause he's, he, he like you said, he shoot, shoots at a 40 odd percent. He, he's got that pull through and, and making plays and then he has to run back and guard the best player again. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tough job to, like I, mean, I don't all those names you just made like from Giannis to to Ben to Jimmy to I think he guarded Jokic at times we had him on the floor like whoever whoever we need him to guard he he takes that challenge and he he obviously studies his his film and watches what they're going to do and I mean he he was great I'm, obviously Ben played at a, a pretty high level tonight getting to the rim but um, Royce made some huge plays towards the end to to, to get us out and running so. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's got better and better as his career's gone on over the last three or four years, whatever it's been. And um, I hope he, he is ready to, to keep it going because he just signed a new deal. So he's going to be here for a while. So, um, no, he's, he's, he, he grows and, and gets better and better uh, every game that we have. Last question, David Aldridge, The Athletic. Hey, Joe. Um you all have had stretches over the years where you've been really, you know, you've been efficient offensively and good offensively, but you're, you're clearly at a different level this year as a team offensively. And I wonder when you came to realize that this might be sustainable, that this wasn't just like a hot streak for a couple of games, that this was something that you could really maintain through a long chunk of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember having conversations with coach last season about it and, after we got JC and obviously knew what he brings offensively with the, the guys that we already had. Um, and obviously last year with, with Mike in and out, we traded for JC, uh, whatever period that was. And, and just trying to find our groove. We, we were a different team than we had been the previous couple of years. And um, we kept saying like, it, just imagine if we were all shooting well and, and playing kind of that free flowing, like that, that's tough to guard. We got four guys out there that can, make shots. I don't know what percentage we all shoot, but, but at, at a pretty high percentage. And then we've got Rudy and Fave on the rim. Um, and we, we've talked about it for a while. I think last year was tough. Obviously, like I said, with, with injuries guys in now at the bubble, we have, a, we have a break, we get back. Last year was a, a bit of a mess, but um, it kind of came back up again this year. Like we were all healthy at the start and we could see it coming together in, in preseason and, and playing. And then, Obviously, the the confidence from from coach to he can talk a, or tell us to to run and shoot as much as he wants, but we have to kind of hold each other accountable. And th- there's been games where all he'll say in a timeout or pregame is like, "Let's run offensively when we get a, a rebound or a, or off a make." Like, let's push the ball and shoot threes. And it probably took us a little while those first few games. I, I don't know what our record was early, but obviously wasn't. We were four and four or three and three or whatever we were. And yeah. uh, I think. 
throughout the, the course of the year, we've got more and more confident from the style that we're playing and having the confidence for, for me to kick it up to Royce and him shoot it in the first six seconds or Donovan, whoever it is. So, uh, I mean, it's taken time, but but I think we're starting to see the the benefits of playing the way we're playing with with the lineup that we've got. And, I mean, we've still obviously got Mike to come back and, um, yeah, we'll just keep keep doing what we're doing, keep pushing the ball um, and keep playing the way we with the way we want to play. That was Joe Ingles, 20 points, five assists, three rebounds in the Jazz win. And uh, Joe's feeling it, feeling good, feeling good about the team, feeling good about Jordan Clarkson. Again, Jordan, 40 points coming in off the bench and had this to say after the game. All right, we'll get started with a question from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Jordan, when we were talking to Quinn and Joe, Quinn said that he didn't know if he could think of another player that plays as confidently as you. And Joe said that he's never played with anyone like you before. When you hear those things, first of all, what do you think? And also, what gives you that confidence and that energy to play the way that you do? Uh, probably the biggest thing for me is, you know, with, with them saying that, them believing in me, uh, letting me be myself and embracing me, it's kind of just playing the whole whole role into who I am. And that gives me confidence in its own. Um, those guys always come over to the bench and tell me to keep shooting. And even when I'm having an off night, uh, even when I'm hot, they still tell me to shoot the ball no matter what, uh, tell me to make the play. Um, it gives me that confidence is just, you know, my teammates, uh, coaching staff, just everybody uh, continuously talking to me, uh, continuously embracing who I am and, you know, it's just, it's just love. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that and happy that, you know, they embrace me like that. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. KC, when you checked in tonight, you guys had only 10 points at the time. And then you drill four three-pointers by yourself in the first three minutes that you're in there. Do you ever feel any extra urgency like kind of with the situation of the game like that or does it simply come down to as Quinn said that you're just not bashful whatsoever um at the end of the day I'm just doing what you know coach preach and what we uh tell each other in the locker room and you know come in the game be aggressive uh take the shots that are available um and that's what it is at the end of the day. I'm just coming in uh, doing what coach is telling me to do and what my teammates trust me to do. And, you know, that's take shots and try to make plays. And I think that doesn't – that never changes. If we're up by 20, if we down by 15, uh, I think my role is kind of, um, you know, who I am. Matt Cole's AP. Can you describe what it feels like when you're in the zone like you were tonight, Jordan? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I didn't even, I was just like Keon, uh, Doolin came over and said, uh, oh yeah, and you, you shooting it, you, uh, you making shots tonight. I said, man, I'm not even paying attention. I'm just, I'm just shooting the shots that are available and you know, they're going in. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I thank Fave, I thank all my teammates period just for keep feeding me and, uh, you know, keep playing our style of basketball. If it wasn't for my teammates, the coaching staff, anybody, the system that we got in play, none of this, the, the 40 points off the bench, none of these plays, 
the situation that I'm in wouldn't happen. Um, and, you know, it's a test to uh, who we are as a team and, um, you know, just straight respect for, for coach, his system, uh, and how he wants us to play. Because anybody on our team uh, from the guard standpoint and, and from the base can go and get numbers. Um, you know, we all have the freedom to go do that. So uh, definitely um, a sign of respect and um, love that's, that's shared through our team. Al Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Hey, Jordan. So huge game tonight, and it was capped off with an old-fashioned water, bo- um, water bottle celebration. Uh, can you speak to that moment and then just ending uh, this homestand on such a high note? Um, I mean, it was good. We just on to the next one. Uh, I tried to run from Don. I, I, I got to keep my braids in my head for this road trip. Um, so I was trying to get out of the way a little bit. Still got me, but uh, it's always great um, to have your you know, star, embrace you. Um, and, you know, we just got to keep it going. Like I said, we on to the next one. By the time I leave this arena, we forgetting about it and uh, putting our mind to the uh, Clippers. There you go. Jordan Clarkson, 40 points on 13 of 20 shooting, 8 of 13 from 3. At 8, three-pointers made is a new Jazz franchise record, and he was absolutely lights out. The Jazz now hit the road. They're back in action coming up tomorrow night. They're going to take on the Los Angeles Clippers. That game will tip off at 8. Pre-game begins at 7 o'clock. There is the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines on the way. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Joe underhand scoop to Donovan. Splits the defense, gets in the lane, high right hand floater up and in. Donovan put both feet down and just jack in the box up high above the defense. Floated up and in Utah by 11. Favors, hands to Clarkson. Clarkson will fire a three. Oh my, Jordan Clarkson is shooting at a hula hoop. Clarkson is 9 of 12. He's got six threes. Here's Ben on a drive into the lane. Right hand lamp. He's done it again. Quinn Snyder calls timeout. Ben Simmons going left to right. He's got 38. Ingles blocks to come back in. Clarkson left corner three. Got it. It's a franchise record. Eight three in a game for Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson comes off the bench to score 40 points. Ben Simmons goes for 42. The Jazz get the win. They beat Philadelphia 134-123. PK, that is eight in a row and 19 of the last 20. Are you running out of superlatives or did Walter Cronkite bless you with quite the vocabulary? Well, I mean, I think we all know the answer to that question. <laughs> what is going on? We're, we're out of superlatives. Okay. So we're just laughing instead. Sounds good. Because it's redonkulous. It is redonkulous. It is completely my, redonkulous. My thing is, it, it's crazy. I mean, they're 19-1 and one in the last 20. I and mean, that, that's just all time. I mean, it, it's not an all-time record. Somebody's going, we know teams have gone 20-0, and 0, very few. But 
they keep winning ball games, and I keep turning on the whatever programs and listen to NBA radio yesterday, and it's, oh, man, everything is year but. Yeah, but, I should say. Yeah, but, you know, the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. There's only one guy, and I listened to NBA radio a whole bunch yesterday for some reason, and and I watched the jump. I hardly ever do that. <laughs> And uh, but I wanted to make sure, you know, just uh, just to watch this stuff. It's this time of year. What else am I going to do? I'm not going to be doing yard work or golfing, obviously. And there's one guy, one guy who stood up for them during the interviews that I saw and heard. And that man, you know him well. It was Thurl Bailey. They had him on uh, NBA radio. And so saying, yeah, they're contender. And, you know, I put that out the other day. I put it out as a joke. Antonio Daniels doesn't think that Mitchell should be. I mean, it was, I guess I should have inserted joke. If you took that seriously, the joke's on you, my friends. Uh, so I, I guess there's that stuff out there, man. And even Ryan Smith in his interview on television said, you know, they don't give out trophies in February, which I think they should. And if you're going to give out a trophy for the Jazz right now, what would it be? Because we don't have enough trophies. You get growing up, you get trophies for everything, participation trophies. But then, like you got a trophy for Wooden City something or other, something or other of the year. You know, I presented you with a trophy, and now you don't get trophies. So you get all this love as a kid, and then it drops off. I think they should get a trophy for for having the best record in the first half or something like that. I have seen uh, Jalen Rose stick up for the Jazz, but it is it is a short list. It, these things just don't come around very often, so who knows what June and July hold. I mean, if we've seen anything the last couple weeks, you know, teams' health can change pretty quickly, so you just got to enjoy it for what it is. But how often do you see Jazz teams go on a roll like this for a month or two? I, I guess if you're, you know, if you're 45 or you remember when the statues did it, but it just doesn't happen that often, and it's you just better savor it when you're going through it. I mean, you can worry about what comes later, later. You just don't get runs like this very often. And they got down by 14 against Philadelphia, and normally that would lead to a lot of negativity on Twitter, but I think everybody's just waiting. Well, when are they going to go on a run, and how big is the run going to be, and how long before this game gets close again? And they had the lead in the second quarter. They had the lead at halftime. They never trailed again. Yeah, double-digit leads, unless they're 30 in the first half. Sure, but Twitter isn't a place for rationality. Get the hell off Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) No. What are you on Twitter for? (laughs) Jazz fans are there, and everyone expected them to go on a run, and they did. Jazz fans, at best, best there can only be 20% of jazz fans, because that's so many people on Twitter in in the real world. So it's a small, small minority here. Well, Tobias Harris had 36, Ben Simmons had 42, but with uh, Embiid out, they didn't have that many guys to go with him, and the Jazz get six guys into double figures. And Hey, we don't know how to defend these guys. We gave up 123 points. Let's just go score 134. It's another example of a team that can, that can win different ways. And on this night, it was just outscore. You know, on another night, they're able to defend. One night, it's... Uh, Mitchell going off, another night it's Ingles, and tonight it's Clarkson. The loss of Embiid had no bearing on it because those two guys wouldn't have been scoring that many points. Yep. So the Jazz are off tonight. They're going to play the Clippers tomorrow, and they're going to play the Clippers again Friday, both those games in L.A. And 
The Clippers played last night as well. Let's get to the NBA. Hashtag NBA. Draymond up top, Mulder screens for Curry. Curry gets open. Three ball good. You knew it was going in as soon as he released it, his seventh of the night. Irving played by Robinson. Pulls up from three and hits. 40 for Kyrie Irving. 132 to 117 nets. 9 of 11 from three is Kyrie Irving. Come on. Up top, Randall. Deep three pointer. And it's good for Julius Randall. Knicks keep the possession alive, quickly saves it, and Randall with a 40-point night. A lot of highlights from around the league there. The Clippers beat the Miami Heat 125-118. And PK, they did it without their stars. Got to be impressed with that. Six guys in double figures. No Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George. No problem. Clippers win again. Yeah, this is great news for the Jazz. Because Marquise Morris is not going to shoot 6 of 8 from 3 and uh, 11 of uh, 15 from the field very often. And oh, that's Marcus Morris. I said his other twin brother. But Marcus isn't going to do that. Uh, I don't know that Coffee, some kid out of Minnesota, is going to go 5 for 7. Uh, Zubac is not going to go 9 for 11. Just, they're, they're not that good. So they had big, huge games. And they shot 55% from the field and 47% from three. They're not capable of doing that two, three games in a row. So this guarantees the Jazz a minimum of a split. Guarantee. The other highlights you heard in there, you heard uh, some big nights. Julius Randle, 44 points. The Knicks beat the Hawks, 123-112. to also, uh, Bradley Beal, a big game. He had 37 points as the Wizards took down the Rockets, 131 to 119. And Steph Curry, a 36-point game. Warriors picking up a win. They blew out Cleveland, 129 to 98. That's because they sat Andre Drummond, and then our man Draymond Green went off about it afterward. Did you he see that? He does not like the double standard. Yeah, James Harden wasn't playing hard at the end in Houston. Nobody's going to argue that. Yeah, I saw it. He's talking about Drummond and how it's yeah. such, such a double you standard. you got to be a professional if they sit you because they want to trade you. But if you want them to trade you, then you're a bad guy. And it's a double standard, and quite frankly, he's very upset with that. And before the game, Cavaliers coach J.B. Bickerstaff, whose father, of course, was an NBA coach, uh, said the decision to sit Drummond came only after consulting both Drummond and his agent about the situation. <laughs> Uh, and they're doing it with Blake Griffin in Detroit. And Troy Weaver used to be here with the Jazz. Yep. An extensive conversation with Blake's representatives has been determined that we begin working to facilitate a resolution. I mean, so... So apparently, like, everybody there in those two situations is on the same page, but somebody didn't Somebody didn't get Draymond on the same page. Well, the thing about Draymond is... He said Why they, worry about this week? Uh, yeah. Next week we'll have another one. But, and, and when he's talking about Harden, they castrated Harden. I'm like, who, who did that? What? What are you talking about? Why? Do, why do, in our country, it you'd rather be the victim than not. Oh man! Go ahead and be the victim. The world is going to go on with or without you playing the victim. Play the victim all you want. What difference does it make? Lakers star Anthony Davis going to miss at least two to three weeks with calf strain. Suffered Sunday. Also re-aggravated the 
Achilles tendinosis that he missed two games with last week. So now I don't think there's anybody who follows the league who expects to see him before the NBA All-Star break. And then afterwards, we'll have to see. He'll be reevaluated then, and then we'll see how, how much longer they want to rest him, but at least through the break. Seems. This is so awesome. I got a source. I got a source. <laughs> 11.56 Sunday, p.m. I was awoken, awakened, uh-huh. with a text that said, AD's down until after the All-Star break. Makes sense, but it'll bummer that he'll miss the first Jazz matchup. <laughs> I got a source. Did you tweet it out, though? Come on, PK. No, I'm not on Twitter on that. I mean, I, I, the more you two run to Twitter, you know what that's going to make me do. That's going to make me go the other way. It was almost midnight. I would have been irritated, except I didn't have to get up early the next day because we were off yesterday. <laughs> so it literally woke me up because I didn't silence my phone. And uh, I read it. Uh, oh, okay, well, there you go. Breaking news. My source inside the Laker organization. And then I went back to bed. I figured, well, this is Adrian's job. Let him do it tomorrow. I did text DJ, though, when I woke up. He did. <laughs> Just text me. I'll tweet it out for you. Uh, I didn't tweet it out either. Because <laughs> he didn't believe me. No, I did believe you. <laughs> I absolutely believed you. DJ and PK. Play the victim. Hashtag college basketball. BYU basketball gets a verbal commitment from Atiki Ali. Atiki Ali Atiki? Correct. Atiki Ali Atiki has been playing for the London Basketball Academy in Ontario, Canada for two years. Had offers from San Diego State, West Virginia, Oklahoma. Has decided to go to BYU. It's a verbal commitment. So the recruiting will continue until the papers are signed. Wow, this is crazy. He was playing... Uh, uh, for a team in London in California. Right? No, not that Ontario. Ontario, Canada. Oh. Well, I'm a U.S. guy. If you're going to say Ontario, I'm going to think the United States. The Ontario airport. The one L.A. Yeah, airport I haven't flown into. Have you never been to Ontario? Huh? I've never flown into Ontario. That's okay. Well, okay. I found out in that airport that Frank Sinatra had died. Random association. I like it. <laughs> I, was, I, was de- I found out in that airport that Mike Piazza was traded. Uh, so I've been in and, in and out of that airport many times. Well, you can't have enough big guys if you're going to compete with Gonzaga, so hopefully he can play. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't have any guy. clue. No idea either. Utah forward Michael Jontanen has departed the program temporarily to join the Finnish national team to play in the EuroBasket qualifier games. He's ex- expected to rejoin the team at the end of the month. BK, highly unusual. It's next week. but uh, how, long, well, how long will it take for college basketball to catch on in this, in this country if people don't prioritize the competition here? I don't know how long will it take for soccer if people don't prioritize the competition exactly. here. <laughs> so if you're going to rip on them, you better rip on your precious soccer. <laughs> so <laughs> they do it all the time. This is this is news. 
The other one isn't really news. Yep. It's, the other one happens all the time. And yeah. this is there've been there've been a lot of foreign players at U.S. colleges. St. Mary's, obviously. For those of us here, it's probably the team that's had the most guys, but they've been all over the place, including in local programs. Brazilians yeah. at BYU, and and I mean, this kid's here because obviously, you know, back in the day, Hano Metala was here. Yeah, and you just read Buchos Buchos Galley is going to <laughs> Buchos, take off. Buchos Galley. Uh, <laughs> he has <yeah>. no lateral <laughs> quickness. So the, the thing about it is that Larry committed to allowing him to do that. So Larry said yes. I, I think we we know, and I've been saying this for years, foreign guys, once you bring them in, this is their second priority. I mean, even in the NBA. Would you rather win an Olympic gold with your national team, or would you rather win an NBA title? If they're 100% being honest, they're going to tell you an Olympic gold with their national team. That's just the way it is. doesn't mean they don't ball out over here by any stretch. So they can coexist easily. But the national means way more. To the American, if you were to ask Donovan Mitchell, it would be about winning an NBA title. Absolutely. Anytime you hear the uh, Shaq getting on Barkley, well, I got an Olympic medal. You don't ever hear that, right? (laughs) Whereas you'd be national heroes if you did it wherever else in the world. It's just not the same. And... We don't want to have real talk on this because somehow we think we're getting... I don't think I don't think you're getting gypped on it. This is just the way it is. This is the way they believe. And then you had the COVID situation, which screwed up the calendar. And then thirdly, what the hell are the Utes playing for? So why not? The Utes will be playing the Oregon schools this week. DJ... What do you do? Yeah, I know. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Uh, our goals are going to be pretty simple. It's to win championships, um, to get in the college football playoffs, and, uh, you know, we're, we're excited about that, and then to play in New Year's Six Bowl games. That's Gus Malzahn. He is the new head coach at UCF. Five years, $11.5 million. Of course, he was at Auburn. They let him go. He was 68-35 and 35 overall, 37-29 and 29 in the SEC over eight seasons. And if he has some success at UCF, where they've had some pretty good teams, he'll be back in the SEC or the ACC or somebody will come calling. So, I mean, he can announce all the team goals he wants, and his goal will be get back into a Power 5 gig. Really? You think so? Yeah, I do. Okay. Oregon Ducks starting quarterback Tyler Shuck entered his name into the NCAA transfer portal as a grad transfer over the weekend. He'll have three seasons of eligibility remaining wherever he lands. Uh, A little surprising here, PK, because he played so much and he seemed to be the future, but he didn't get to play as much in the bowl game. They had another vet they wanted to play. They've got another four-star recruit coming in, and Tyler Shuck is out of there. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got benched. What was it? Was it the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, Brown, Boston College. Anthony Brown. Boston College kid came in and... And this, uh, he's a Phoenix kid, this Shuck. And so this uh, star recruit you speak of, his name is Thompson. And he's a Phoenix kid. <laughs> <laughs> so the talent continues to flow one way out of the Grand Canyon State. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
Former NFL wide receiver Vincent Jackson was found dead yesterday in a Florida hotel room. According to the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, he played in the NFL for 12 years, was All-Pro three times, played in San Diego with the Chargers, in Tampa Bay with the Bucks. hasn't played in the league since 2016, still not even 40 years old yet, and he's 38. Uh, that was shocking news. No sign of uh, foul play. Twins Marquise and Mike Pouncey, who started for the Steelers and Chargers, as centers announced their retirement from the NFL together over the weekend. Twins doing everything together, PK. I think that's awesome, you know, because they're like 31, 32 years old. Made a lot of money, played a lot of games, get out of there, and uh, got a lot of stuff that you probably want to do, and you have the finances probably to go do it. And the Friday news dump, Jaguars' Chris Doyle was only briefly the Jaguars' Chris Doyle, but too much blowback there, and he went to Urban Meyer, conveniently on a Friday night, and decided he was out of here. Well... Urban Meyer, if you're expecting him to hire a bunch of Boy Scouts, you're probably kidding yourself. That's not what he does. I mean, we know in Florida he had so many guys arrested. We know Ohio State with the coach and all that stuff. It's just it's not who he is. He's looking to win. I, I, on some level, I'm bothered by this because, Urban, you told us you did all your work. I, I, I guess I don't understand how you can justify it and then not have it happen why spend all that time justifying it if you believe in something and you believe that you're right like mark cuban what you didn't want to play the anthem or you weren't sure about it i don't know or the nba players they knelt in the summer because it was a just cause and now the cause is over in the in that way and, and what, what, what is going on here as far as that? And I don't know this guy's background and all the stuff that he said that he's accused of doing is just awful. I don't want to make sure that that's abundantly clear. But, you know, we've got on video a, a guy punching a girl. And he's, he's going into his fifth year into the NFL. So it comes down to how much blowback do you get then? <laughs> and Urban only did it because he got blowback from somebody inside the organization? Whether that's I don't know. I have another no executive or the owner? I can't imagine anything else that made Urban do it. I don't, I don't think he cares what's written or said, so I can't imagine it was that, and I could be wrong, but I just can't imagine that. I assume somebody inside the organization didn't like it, whether it's, you know, the owner, you know, front office. Well, I don't assume anything, yeah. so I have no idea. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Well... We're all going to be shoveling snow. But elsewhere in the world, pitchers and catchers will begin reporting for spring training. Arizona and Florida ramping up. Major League Baseball season scheduled to begin April 1st. And here it is, February 16th. Pitchers and catchers going to work, PK. Get on a plane. Get to the Valley of the Sun. Opening day is 44 days away. I follow MLB and they have this countdown. And every morning I look at it and I feel better. <laughs> the smaller that number gets. <laughs> because you really like to watch baseball or because you know it means better weather for us? Well, I think obviously it's both in that situation. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is more of a childhood thing rather than a Phoenix thing and a uh, Los Angeles thing. 
Because the advent of spring in those two communities are nice, but the problem with Phoenix is that means the summer is that much closer, and those are just awful, and they last so long. They last a good May to, to November, uh, the end of October, just blistering heat. And one of the reasons why these kids leave, because they're so sick of it. Uh, but uh, when I was a kid, man, I just couldn't wait for spring. I hated winter, even as a kid. Uh, I've told this story. I would look at the Sunday paper, the Star-Ledger, and see when the Mets and Yankees were going to play their spring training games and which games were going to be on television. And they would start like 1 o'clock. And I took the bus to school. Even as a first grader, I took the bus to school. And if they were on, I would sprint home to watch the last couple of innings, knowing that, man, it's going to be closer, even realizing spring comes way earlier here than it does in those places. And so I'd watch number 97, you know, who had no chance in those first few, you know, those games. <laughs> the spring they, training, but if you're yeah. getting home at the seventh or eighth inning, yeah. man. <laughs> the starters, they are... They are out after two at-bats. Thanks for playing. Who's up yeah. to bat right now? Yeah. I don't know. And I would just wish it would get here so soon and then opening day. Opening day in baseball just reminds me of my childhood. And things that you have positive memories from your childhood, I think they stay with you your whole life. And if you have an opportunity, even a sliver, to relive that, I think all of us, whatever, whatever that childhood memory is, it doesn't have to be baseball. It could be anything. If you have a positive memory, it could be a song. It could be going to a place that you went with your parents and siblings to get ice cream. Whatever it might be. Neater Franks! <laughs> have a positive memory from your childhood. It literally will stay with you your whole life. And yep. it will be a warm memory for you forever. I only went to Neater Franks because that's where Grandpa took Dad when he was a little kid. So, Neater right. Franks Family Ice Cream, National City. And I'm living in New Jersey where the winters are brutal, and to know Florida, and everything there was Florida. Everybody talked about Florida. Of course, so naturally, I, lo- I looked west because everybody was always talking about South Florida. So, you know, I had to go the opposite direction and ended up getting in the, living into that part of the country. Uh, sort of somewhat ironic for me. But, yeah, I'm excited. That's spring, especially here, man. Who doesn't like spring? We had a lot of rain in the spring. But we also get some nice days, and then summers here are just gorgeous. Former Utah baseball star C.J. Corona has signed a minor league deal with the Colorado Rockies. He's 31 now, and he had season-ending surgery after suffering ligament damage in his left knee in 2020. So, give it another shot, PK. Former Ute, Mr. Cron. Yeah. You can can overcome the knee stuff. That doesn't have to be. I mean, it could be career-ending, but it doesn't have to be. Well, his brother is in the minor leagues. His dad is a high school coach in Arizona, so he'll probably be a some type of baseball guy forever and ever, and good for him. And if he doesn't make a bag, he's already played in the bigs a number of years, and so he's realized the dream. Right, we're going to get to college football. There's more, I'm getting word that Utah is strongly being considered for a uh, DB transfer out of Oklahoma, and he was a five-star kid. So uh, we'll see if that plays out. That would be a great addition to their football team. You mean Hadley Riles, Boogie? Yeah, that's the, what's his first name, though? I mean, they call him Boogie, but what's his first name? I don't even know his first name. Is. I don't know. It's, I know it's Boogie Hadley Riles is what yeah, most people call, call him. Boogie, right. But uh, his buddy, his best buddy, is this pleasure kid, this running back from Oklahoma, transferred already to Utah. And they, they've known each other, played together a little bit before college. So that will be a great addition if it comes to pass. 
What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, will be here at 830. Andrew Greif, Clippers writer for the LA Times at 930. The Jazz picking up a victory. The question of the day as the beat goes on. We will get to that next, Jazz fans. Stay with us. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. At Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Question of the day that's up on Facebook. Jazz are rolling now at 23 and 5. How much can they pull away from the Lakers now that Anthony Davis is out? Brad believes the Lakers are too good to fall far behind. We just need to keep winning as many games as we can and stay in the top spot. They're not yeah, going to fall that far back, PK. I think it's a major blow. I mean, they're, they're so top heavy. So. Uh, what you want is the opportunity to have the Lakers and Clippers play each other. You don't want to blow this opportunity. So you want your first-round matchup, whoever is that uh, eighth seed, and they're going to have that playoff, so whoever it is. And then uh, assuming the seeds hold, uh, four or five, you never really know. Obviously, it's the closest you can get. Uh, so whoever comes out of that four or five, you want to beat them and the, and and then play the winner of the Clippers Lakers and you want that thing to go seven. So this is a grand opportunity, man. You are presented with a phenomenal opportunity now to get the one seed and have those two. It's a big thing if those two have to play each other in the second round. Uh, nobody wants to see that except you. <laughs> this is horrible. Way too early. I mean, the league wants the two L.A. teams to square off against each other. They want that story, uh, and they want it to be for the the crown of the, I guess, you know, if you consider a, a title in the Western Conference. Well, you get a trophy, PK. You were just talking about that in the last segment. They give I think you... we need more trophies at the pro level. Yeah, we do. Conference we we trophies. Don't, we don't have enough trophies. And for us, it means something. I mean, we keep talking about Jordan Clarkson, the sixth man of the year, as if that's some coveted prize. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) Let him have it. Uh, So that's a big deal to have that happen. And, you know, I'm I'm listening to, as I said, some nationals. I'm flicking around yesterday, and they came up with uh, that if Anthony Davis' injury is an issue – well, now the one I was listening to, many shows, the, 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 this this really sets up the Brooklyn Nets to win the title. Like, oh, wait a second, here. <laughs> forgetting about somebody? Nope, nope. Yeah. All about New York, baby, and star power. It's one after another. The amount of disrespect and the overlookage 
towards this team now. And I, I, I thought about tweeting each time, but I got blowback, and I'm sick of getting blowback, especially when I'm messing around. Who gives a crap with Anthony <laughs> da- or Anthony, Antonio Davis? That was the whole point of the tweet. And I guess it wasn't uh, satirical enough. I thought it was obvious, uh, and I wasn't being serious. Like, who cares? None of that stuff matters. But it is reaching epic levels for a team that's won 19 out of 20. You know, if they had been, if they were just a, a pedestrian 17 and 3, I can see it. But 19 and 1, and you're still talking about these other teams, and, and, and talk about these other teams, that's fine. But give the Jazz equal due. It's like I said with Shaq. Well, say that Mitchell hasn't won anything, but then put in Lillard and Paul George and Westbrook and blah, 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 you know, all the way up down. Harden. Yeah. Yeah, don't just single out this young man as if that's unusual and it's so noteworthy because, look, at he hasn't done it. <laughs> when there's actually way more folks who haven't done it than who have done it. And those are some all pretty good players. There's literally first ballot Hall of Famers that didn't win at all. Uh, so... It's not that unusual, but to single out somebody, particularly when you did it, that raises my eyebrow. And it's the same thing here. They're 19-1. and They're just one incredibly hot shooting game away by the Nuggets of winning 20 in a row. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's that's a staggering amount of wins, and we you know we can, what are we going to do now? We're going to say, well, there's no fans in the stands. Is that the reason why we didn't get into it? Uh, Utah State won't let Boise go play at another arena to have fans, but Utah State can have fans in their arena. Not sure what that is about. Uh, they agreed to the <laughs> arena. They don't have to change their mind. We've already negotiated this. We're not revisiting it. Was it because of fans or? I'm not sure, nor do I give a crap. I mean, I just I don't know the fans make any difference there. Uh, you know, if if they said like twenty thousand, maybe, but a, a couple of thousand, is that why the Jazz have been doing it? Are we gonna are we gonna come up with another thing? You know, Mitchell in the oh, it's in the bubble, and there was something to that when you see a player like Jamal Murray go way beyond what he normally does. Mitchell went beyond what he normally does, too. I don't necessarily know that it was way beyond. And there was more logical explanation. Well, Bogdanovich is out, so there's more shots. And, you know, he took advantage of that. But, you know, what what are we saying now? Well, what, what's the reason? And, you know, I sort of live my life that way in the working world, being overlooked so I can relate. And it seems like the Jazz are being overlooked again. Well, that's good, isn't it? Everybody wants to play the victim. That gives you something to get motivated over. They're overlooking us. Nobody believes in us. So it works. So embrace it. I can't respond to them because I'm not in their shoes. I can respond to the average fan because that's all I've ever been. I'm just a fan. I've never played the game. I've never showed on a screen. I, I don't, I've never dove into the hoop or to the post. Where are you supposed to dive? Or flash? Which one is it? You flash to the post. Oh, I thought it was dive, too. Let me get my Dive is when you're setting a pick and roll, I could say, at the top of the key. Then you dive to the hoop. Yeah, because I put away my football for dummies, chip block out of the A-gap. took me about 10 years to learn what that thing meant. Uh, And I'm just 
kind of getting the concept of the wheel route. I don't have it completely. I think that's uh, a lie. I think you do have it completely. <laughs> it's more sarcasm that nobody gets. That's your problem. Your sarcasm is so finely, finely hey. tuned. Hey, hey, listen, man. Uh, the Jazz have won 19 out of 20. We're in our 19th year. It's uh, hey 19. You know, we're all we're back to the Jazz. Uh, when they made the playoffs 19 years in a row. So all this basketball talk, all I know is they're winning a ton of games. I don't know that they can use a set of motivation. I suppose they would to an extent, but they're not getting the love commiserate with the amount of winning. I mean, I think that's obvious. I mean, I don't see how you could disagree with that. Okay, but is that just because you're here? You haven't given Milwaukee no. a lot of love, and they've had the best record in the regular season two years in a row, but you've doubted them, and then you've been proven right because they've gotten beaten in the playoffs. So Because you told me the East was garbage. They're not doing it in the East. See, that is a big difference and an important <laughs> distinction. <laughs> so, Nor have they played yeah. the best teams in the West, though. I mean, the Lakers and Clippers are second and third, and they did play Phoenix, who's fourth, and they lost to Phoenix. They played the Clippers about? once. Milwaukee they or the, the Clippers Jazz? Once. The Jazz. So oh, the Jazz are... One and one against the next three best teams in the West this year. So you can slice that any way you want. It's just the regular season has I mean, sometimes the team with the best regular season record wins the title, but it's been the last three years they haven't. The Rockets had their 65 win season and then got beat by the Warriors. Okay, and, well, and LeBron, I think, has had the best regular season once on the way to his. It's the so, best regular season record once on the way to his four titles. So yeah. you just have to look over your shoulder and say, mm, if LeBron's got his team together, you know, and who knows? I mean, health of a team in June or July is impossible to predict now. That has nothing to do with the Jazz, though. Sure, these are all the reasons people are overlooking the Jazz. No, your, no, your no, Your counter-argument no. is they don't no. have to overlook them this completely. They should at least be putting them in the conversation. However many times, if you spend 10 minutes on the Nets, ten, sp- <laughs> 10 spend 10 minutes on the Jazz. This isn't about the Lakers. Everybody knows that he's all that. He's a once-in-a-lifetime player. We understand that. And Davis, uh, he's pretty good. He's fragile. He's not uh, uh, an Iron Man in that way. Uh, LeBron has turned into a letter carrier in terms of, man, put him out there. He's good to go. And he's an amazing, phenomenal, producing player, just like Letter Carrier was all those years. And bigger and stronger and just buff as can be. You know, I think LeBron obviously is uh, more talented than Malone, but that takes nothing away from Malone's game. He was incredible for many, many years. So it's the same type of thing. Uh, but fine. This isn't that, That's the Lakers conversation. I want jazz conversation. I don't want Laker conversation when I'm talking about the jazz. They need to be talked about. This is a story. Not Don't yeah, but and doubt where they're going to end up. Tell me why they're where they are. I want to know now. They're 19-1. and one. When we get to January of next year and you can look back and say, well, they didn't do it or they did do it, whatever. It's the summer as it's happening. But don't that that's down the road. Tell me now. We, we got networks now that go 24-7. So there's plenty of time. It's not like when I first heard sports radio. It was on 55 KOI in Phoenix, 55 a.m. It went from 10 p.m. to midnight. And then a couple years later, your boy Hacksaw came along and went on KTAR from 6 to 8. The high-speed sports wire. And then they fled. They always fed into the Dodgers. It was the Dodger station. 
And so with the time difference, that was the time for Dodger baseball. And I got to hear Vin. That's how I grew up after I moved. I grew up on Vin Scully uh, because he was they, they broadcast the, the game. So from 14 on, I listened to Vin Scully a lot in, in, in the Valley. And the way the timing was, 6 to, six to 8. And that was it. You know, but now we're 24-7 in multiple stations. So to me, there's no excuse. You got round-the-clock deal. You should be talking about them. Don't give me yeah, but. That's down the line. Why are we going yeah, but? I want to talk now about, tell me, if you're doing your job, you need to tell me why this team is 19-1 and in their last 20. It's time for yeah, but too. But not the lead. Not skipping, the, not skipping over the, hey, they're top five in both offense and defense. Yeah, if you want to include that, but, it, you know, that's not the lead. Lead being what they teach you in journalism school, the inverted pyramid style. That's how you were taught to write. <laughs> you do the, the most important stuff at the top, and then you narrow it down to the less important at the bottom. That's the way I was taught. Uh, I'm, I'm an old fogey, so I don't know if that, that's now you have an opinion that's outrageous and get a click. <laughs> that's probably, I can't imagine that's what they're teaching in journalism school. I don't know, but that's what we're producing anyway. Uh, so, and, and, all, and all this stuff here and, and talk radio really isn't journalism. It's a lot of ex-players and some dweeb like myself uh, anchoring it. It's entertainment. And, uh, Hit the singing drops, yak. Away you go. Yeah. And I've made that transformation, which is why, you know, I don't find something out at midnight on Sunday and I'm going to go run to Twitter and, and put it out there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's, that's for others to do all that stuff. I know what I know, and believe it or don't, it doesn't really matter to me. But I want the Jazz to have equal representation. They deserve equal representation. Why does it always have to be about the Lakers, Robbie wants to know. Can't we just enjoy the Jazz wins without having to hear the Lakers this and the Lakers that every damn day? Well, because they've been in half the finals <laughs> yeah. in the history of the league. And they won, the, they won it last year. And Jazz fans want the title, and the path is going to go through L.A. That's why this is a big deal, to have Anthony Davis out. Because if you could solidify, and you're right, LeBron, I don't think he needs it. I believe every team who wins a title, they don't actually need it. Uh, and certainly he doesn't. But what you want is for them to have to play each other. I mean, because look at it. You've got a fragile guy in Anthony Davis, right, because of his health. And I don't take any pleasure in saying that, but that's the history of this. This And he's a phenomenal player, but that's his history. So you're not that far behind. Well, if you have the Clippers, maybe they can beat them. Maybe you can't even beat the Clippers, so it doesn't matter. But... Uh, a, a, a little, what's that phrase you said? Tendonitis, whatever it was in the foot. Uh, Tendinosis. Tendinosis. He sits out a game or two. That could be huge for for the Jazz. Absolutely huge. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. More of your reaction coming up. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, at eight thirty, right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty, the zone. Love me two times, baby. One for tomorrow, one for today. Dun, dun, dun. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Eric Weddle joining us. You look at Tom and there was no hesitation there when he was asked about next year. He's like, I'm coming back. I just can't figure out how at 43 years old, a guy can keep doing that. Well, he rarely gets hit, so he probably feels great, right? His body doesn't hurt like the majority of us that play different positions that played a long time. And once you get a taste of the success, right? Like you get to the top, you get all pro, you're, you're recognized as one of the best. You've seen it, you want it. It's like a drug. So for him, that's like tens of hundreds, right? He's Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP. Like you got a great team, a great coach, a great system. I mean, this man threw for 40 touchdowns this year, 4,600 yards, or 45. I mean, this guy is still one of the top five best quarterbacks in the league. And he showed it. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. When I watch them play, it looks fun. It looks easy. It looks simple. For sure, for sure, they look uh, like us last year. And um, man, when you play, when you're in that point and you're playing in that without confidence, your heart beats, for sure. There's Giannis onto the Kempo. You're hard to beat for sure, talking about the Jazz and how well they're playing. Hey, Davis Vision, bringing you DJ and PK. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Wouldn't you rather hear positive things from players than from the media, from angry ex-players who aren't in the spotlight anymore, who loathe everybody? And Giannis doesn't really have to suck up because now they played the Jazz twice, so he can say whatever. He's not going to see him for a year, probably. I guess there's always a chance they could meet in the finals, but... I want to hear the truth. I don't care what form it is. I want to hear that person's version of the truth. That's what I want to hear. And then I'll respond accordingly. So I don't want somebody buffaloing me either way. And that's the problem with the media today. Is buffaloing, I like it. Well, I was going to use another word. You're right. <laughs> And Yach would have to dump it. Yeah. So uh, I want to hear their version of the truth. I want to know what they really think. And then I'll respond. So uh, if uh, Combo says what he says on that regard, I'm, f- I'm fine with it. And you guys did that on, on Sunday on television. You played a bunch of positive stuff. You're TV, so TV thrives on the positive. Uh, well, we played a bunch of negative stuff the week before, and then we're just the medium. We're bitter. Uh, I think TV's more. I think TV's viewed almost exclusively as entertainment. So I know you want to be taken seriously, but you saw that one guy who does the Nick Saban things. He did the interview of the. He did a parody of the print interview question, and then the TV interview question. Play that, Yach. That is so dang funny. <laughs> and, uh, so I think folks want to know what. What is the truth? That, that's what I think. That that's what we're all after. So, and I, why wouldn't Antetokounmpo say that they just lost, uh, and for the second time in a row? And if I recall, it's hard to remember those games specifically, game in and game out, because there's so many of them coming at you so fast that the Jazz pretty much controlled that entire game against the Bucks, right? Yeah, oh, they did. It was Miami that it was a bit of a struggle. And I, and I actually like to see that, man. That Miami game was good to see, good to good to watch them struggle. And even last night, you know, with the Sixers came out and just looked like it was Denver. Well, man, they seemed like in the first quarter they scored on virtually every possession. Yeah. Uh, and really for six minutes they did. I mean, it was 
it, it was unbelievable how easy it was for him to get into the paint. And even then, you sometimes miss shots, especially, you know, Gobert changing shots and all that. But it didn't happen. They just, they just hit everything. 24 points in six minutes, that's, that's a pace you can't sustain. Yeah, and Simmons doesn't have a perimeter shot, but he's huge and can get to the bucket. And you never, you don't really know if he's left-handed or right-handed until he goes to the free-throw line. Uh, so uh, he took advantage of that, and good, good for them. And that was a great test. Uh, to me, I don't think that I've ever seen a Jazz team play with more confidence than this team has. Well, they got a ton of it. I mean, they had a ton of it when they were going to the finals. They did. They should have. But I don't think that they had more. When you know you've got all the answers, no matter what they do, we can counter it this way or that way. Well, it became obvious that right off the bat, all right, Clarkson's hot tonight. Yeah, that didn't take long. Yeah. I mean, didn't he hit his first four fours, if I remember? And our fours, our first four threes. They should have been fours. Maybe he got fouled on all four. So yeah, he had uh, four four-point plays. That would that be that would be incredible. Uh, so I mean, you're thinking, all right, he's got it going on because you know he's going to be able to drive to the hoop and contort to get you know ten or twelve points that way, right? And then if he's hitting his threes, well, then he's going to have a banner night, which is what he had, <laughs> right? Forty points. Hard not to call that a banner night. Yeah, they were talking about when he got to tie uh, the three-point, and Thurl said he's got more in him. And thought, yeah, not tonight, because he <laughs> normally isn't on the floor at that point. And sure enough, and, and Quinn Snyder actually addressed that. I think it was in your question he addressed yeah. that as far as, you know, people probably wondering, what am I doing? But that's the, the rhythm that we, I think he, that's the very word he used, the rhythm that we've gone with is we take him out at that point and the starters close the game. Uh, I've raised an eyebrow or two a time, a time or two on that, thinking, man, geez, man, he's your best offensive player right now, and you're taking him out. But the formula when you're winning 19 out of 20 is ridiculous to criticize because obviously it's working at such a high, high level. But when you saw him making those threes, you thought, all right, they may not win this game, but they're not going to get smoked, and they're going to be right there and have the opportunity because he's hitting. And the other guys... They'll do their Mitchell will do his thing at some point in the game. He may not have a great shooting night, but he'll have stretches where he's dominant. That's the great thing about him. Is he may not be dominant for all 40 or however many minutes he plays, 30, whatever, but you know there's going to be times he's going to be dominant, just like uh, Saturday, start of the second half. Yeah. <laughs> going to the hoop, bucket. Yeah. Going to the hoop, bucket. Ah, I'm feeling a three right now. Timeout. Right. Right, and that was awesome to see. And so he takes a five-point lead and extends it immediately. So it seems like he does that just about every game, too. Not necessarily dominant the whole time. And, and I really like that he, he's not necessarily forcing it either because he realizes, hey, I've got guys. I've got dogs running with me, and I don't need to be the alpha all the time here and just take as many shots as possible because i got – XYZ, Joe continues. Joe won't say it because it's not who he is, but Joe's playing the best basketball of his of his life at 33 years of age. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He literally, right now, during this stretch, particularly with Conley out, more opportunity, is playing the best basketball of his life. It's all coming together. He's surrounded by the players he knows the most. 
still he's you know physically he's able to do it. At some point that'll go away. Mentally he knows more than he's ever known. And For sure, no matter yeah. what the defense throws at him, you know when you're out there. I mean, you know, he wasn't playing the best basketball of his life at the start of last season, but he wasn't surrounded by guys who had all the answers. You know, there were and guys he wasn't who, sure of his role. Yeah, there were guys who couldn't make threes. There were guys who couldn't uh, couldn't finish at the rim. And they didn't have Clarkson at the start of the season. And now he's surrounded by other guys who can make threes. So, hey, if it's not here for me, then it's there for somebody else. And he's always a willing passer. Yeah, so. I, just, I, I, I didn't want to say this, but I'm going to have to. There it is. Uh, last night I canceled my June vacation plans. <laughs> what about your July vacation plan? <laughs> But I need to see how far it's going to go. Okay. I don't know how far it's going to go. All right, DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up at 8.30. Andrew Greif, Clippers writer for the LA Times at 9.30. Jazz and the Clippers Wednesday and Friday in LA. And which Clipper players are going to play and who's going to be healthy? Kawhi Leonard set out last night. and Paul George has been out for about a half dozen games now, and we'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, uh, Coach, um, Zach Kravitz with the uh, Indianapolis Chronicle. When can we expect Davis to be back from that knee injury, and and what do you expect from him in his return to the 3-4 scheme? Coach, Cliff Calhoun, Channel 10, how you doing? What do you think of these crazy fans packing the stadium? I mean, can you just speak a little bit more to what that environment does to fire the guys up? DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. Mark Miller Subaru bringing you DJ and PK in the morning. That PK is comedy bit you were referencing uh, earlier. That guy's funny. <laughs> Joey Molinaro is his name. Yeah. The 3-4 defense. The crazy fans. <laughs> hey, coach. <laughs> oh, TV people. Where would we be without him? TV-less. Coach. <laughs> Cliff Calhoun. Channel 10. How you doing? <laughs> You got so good with it. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> I'll give you credit. That's not you. <laughs> <laughs> and the video of him doing it, too. The, the newspaper guy looks all serious. The TV guy is just relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a day at the beach. Oh, brother. <laughs> All right, the question of the morning. Anthony Davis is out. If you missed it over the weekend, him limping off the floor, holding the, putting the hand on the ankle, the tendinosis is back. He's had an MRI. He's getting another one today, apparently, in L.A. The Denver MRI cannot be trusted. But he's not going to play before the All-Star break. That seems pretty clear. So now the question is, how long will he be out after the All-Star break? And they're going to reevaluate him there in March and try to figure that out. So the Jazz are 23-5. and How much can they pull away from the Lakers now that AD is out? Lock down the one seed. Put the Lakers and Clippers on the other side of the bracket. Let them play each other in the second round. Golden opportunity right in front of them. And you talk about disrespected... There is no NBA team that is more disrespected in its own market than the Clippers. Ah. Even the Knicks. 
We're not as disrespected. There's obviously not that many markets that have multiple teams. But the Clippers, man, it is overwhelmingly a Laker town. And the reason why I want that to happen, it benefits the Jazz potentially. If the Jazz don't beat the teams in round one or two, it doesn't matter. I understand that. But the Clipper just little brother, brother syndrome and this is our chance to win this town, the ramifications of that are just unlike anything we've ever seen in all these years the Clippers have been there. So I think, man, that would be so intense to see those two teams play each other. And maybe maybe a benefit. I mean, there's nothing wrong with benefiting. Winning a title and benefiting, in the end, nobody really cares. Nobody cares what breaks you cut along the way. Yeah. You either had the trophy or you didn't. You either had the 16 wins or you didn't. Yeah, right. That's all that matters. And if somebody else got hurt or or whatever it might be, so what? And if the Clippers were put all their energy and and then were gassed against the Jazz, so what? <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Dan tweets at us, hey, I love the way the Jazz are playing, but do you think there's such a thing as the Jazz peaking too soon? Well, of course. I mean, there's always a chance that you play your best basketball in a month that doesn't involve the playoffs. In this case, you know, they're playing their best basketball in January and February. I mean, is there a chance that's going on? Sure. Uh, I mean, we didn't expect them to go 19-1 now. We don't expect them to go 19-1 later. But you don't feel any better if they just lost more now. If they lost more now, then they would be better later. You pretty much just have to take the wins when they come. Well, when I look at it peaking, I don't think they are peaking. You think they can play better than this? Well, Conley's out, so his return is going to make them better. So right off the bat, off the top of my head, yes. Right there. Absolutely. Yes. And they don't necessarily need to play better. Peaking, if you're not speaking, by definition means you've hit a plateau. I'm not saying they've hit a plateau. So I'm not saying they can play better, but that doesn't mean that they're peaking. Because this could be the level. If we had a timeline right now, you know, that what you see in the medical thing of the thing going up and down and the, the EKG? Heartbeat. Yeah, right. How's his so, heartbeat? Right. That's not necessarily the case. They could just be a, a flat thing, and this is what they're capable of doing consistently. Because I can argue individually, Clarkson is Clarkson, and he finds a way to get it done most nights. Last night he found a way to get it done at a high, high level, so you're not going to count on 40 points in 26 minutes. I and mean, the, the production is just off the charts. Uh but I think Mitchell can be more efficient. Gobert can make better free throws, have better percentage on that. There's no doubt about that. Not sure Joe can play much better. I'll grant you that. And Yang has worked himself into, in his 15 minutes, of doing pretty good. But I think Bogdanovich, if statistically, if you just look at his points, he's clearly underachieved to the level that he did last year. Not that it matters because you're 19 and one, but if you're looking for guys, if you're if you're worried about that or concerned, might be a better word. I can chip away at that theory. And plus, shooting is shooting. And are any of these guys going to go in a prolonged shooting slump? They'll have their moments where they're hotter than others. That's shooting. But the thing about it, we we say shooting comes and goes, but I don't know what the jazz that it really goes. It comes. 
but does it really go? Because if Bogey's not hitting, well, I got two or three other guys that are hitting. And, and when I look at Joe, is he shooting beyond what he's capable of shooting right now? I don't think so. In any one game, sure. Over a sustained period of time, no, probably not. He's shooting 51% and 44% from three, so I don't know what you're expecting. You know, I don't see how he could do better than that over a prolonged period of time. Is he going to shoot 50% from three, be up there with the league leaders? Shoot 55% from the field? Seems like a stretch. But uh, bogeys, yeah. bogeys dropped back below 40. Actually, the Jazz have not shot the three that well over the last uh, four games or so. First half of the Milwaukee game, or first half of the Boston game, I think. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I think Joe started four for four like yeah. uh, my man uh, Clarkson did. And that's my personalized license plates. Four, four, four. Wrong reason, wrong sport, but it works. The, ma- the numbers work. Four for four. Now, I've never gotten that. I've never had a personalized license plate, but that, that's my goal one day when you know I, when I've arrived. So I don't know that I'll ever have it because I don't know that I'll ever arrive. But when I've arrived financially. You'll never let yourself admit you arrived even if you have arrived well, a few they years ago. Me. They, I, well, I arrived, they I arrived and then things happen. <laughs> so <laughs> not sure that that's going to happen anyway. But that would be my ultimate Personalized license plates, four, four, four. And Joe did that, and Clarkson did that. I'm not worried about peaking. I, I want to see how long this run can go. That's my whole point in the question. How long can this run go, and can you build a five-game lead between you and the Lakers? Well, we wondered a while ago how long the run could go. And it's gone a while longer. It's, uh, you know, we say, well, here come the best in the East, and now they've played the three, what, three of the top Swatted four in the East. Away. Yeah, I know. Played the team that went to the finals. Get yourself an Eastern All-Star team and then come back to us. <laughs> okay. And now are the Clippers and Lakers going to be shorthanded? It looks like the answer to that is going to be yes. So those look like big tests, but – if, if, if either Kawhi or Paul George is out, that changes anything. And if they're both out like they were last night, then that changes a lot. I don't think it changes anything in the standings. If you win, you gain a game on them. You don't gain a half game because they missed a player or two. doesn't work that way. Sure, but we want the measuring stick. We want the eyeball test. Are they really better than these guys? And if we do- well, no, yeah, but You're not going to find that in a regular season anyway, so what's the difference? Because the only question remains is, so who can you beat four times in the postseason? Because they're going to go to the postseason. So you're not going to find the answer to that in February, irregardless. So just assume not have those guys and build yourself up. Because you may have some injury issues. You've been pretty well excellent health, all things considered, relative to everybody else of what's been going on in this league with the usual run or rash, depending on who it is, of injuries. And then you factor in the COVID situation with the tracing. And then you got all this stuff going on here. And when you step back, the Jazz have been very, very fortunate in that way. But that's my whole point. You're not going to find out for sure. So why not have those guys be out and build yourself a better lead? 
And so you set it up that you have the number one seed. And it's not so much the home court. It's the opportunity to have those teams play each other. That's a big, big deal, I think, this year. Take your chances with the Suns or the Blazers or the Spurs, whoever it is that ends up winning that 4-5 series. Assuming is the one you take care of business against the eight. Well, you better. Right. You know, and I'm writing about this, and they'll post it at KSL this morning here, about uh, how Donovan Mitchell better be right this year. Because <laughs> if they're not done with the first round this year, oh, that renders all this other stuff hollow. And then, you know, we probably would expect them to win the second round. Although the second round, you're getting some dangerous teams there. But that's fine. Well, it should be. Why do I want cakewalks? doesn't mean as much. You know? And maybe in the end, you know, the NBA will be what it usually is most of the time. It's the most predictable playoff league that we have. In that, all right, LeBron's there again. We went through all this song and dance. We yacked about all this on the snowy morning in February. <laughs> and but the Lakers got healthy. Yeah. And LeBron is back on top of the world. It yeah, could happen. It's all we got a bunch say. of people that love to promote the league, and they get paid to promote the league. I get paid to, to give my truthful opinion. And but that I'm promotes hoping, the league. Uh, if it does, it does. But I'm not. I don't go to Twitter with the idea of I'm going to promote the league. That's not how I got to my spot. That's not how I'm going to retain my spot. My spot is going to be because I'm going to say what I think. And if we get to June or July, whenever that final is, and it's still LeBron, that, to me, that that sort of stinks in that way. Unless the Jazz or Clippers push them to a hard-fought seven-game series and there was some drama, and, okay, he did uh, withstand it and advance, okay, I, I can live with that. But if it's the Lakers in five or four or five that's the finals. That that's I think that's bad for the league in terms of the competitive balance. Uh, especially when the team was they did nothing to put it together. I mean they just they orchestrated it. And it's not like they built from the ground up the way the Jazz have. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're going to take a break, come back with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joins us next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Eric Weddle joining us. You look at Tom, and there was no hesitation there when he was asked about next year. He's like, I'm coming back. I just can't figure out how, at 43 years old, a guy can keep doing that. Well, he rarely gets hit, so he probably feels great, right? His body doesn't hurt like the majority of us that play different positions that played a long time. And once you get a taste of the success, right, like you get to the top, you get all pro, you're, you're recognized as one of the best. You've seen it. You want it. It's like a so for him, that's like times 100, right? He's Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP. Like, you got a great team, a great coach, a great system. I mean, this man threw for 40 touchdowns this year, 4,600 yards, or 45. I mean, this guy is still one of the top five best quarterbacks in the league, and he showed it. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and Gear brought to you by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. 
Well, PK, as much as the national media isn't giving the Jazz all the love Jazz fans would like to hear, they are getting some of the love. The power rankings come out every week, and the Jazz, number one in a whole bunch of publications' power rankings. They've not ignored the 19 out of 20. Well, it wasn't 19 out of 20 when most of them were published. Uh, it was 17 or 1 or 18 or 1, depending on when they, depending on when they put them up, but... Number one, there it is. The Jazz, the best oh, team just in like the, the zone. Number one. <laughs> ESPN, SI, The Athletic, on down the list. Wherever you're looking, number one, number one, number one. But number one. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, the Jazz keep winning, and now it's gotten to the point we're starting to see stuff. I'd, well, they're peaking too soon. Do you ever worry about a team <laughs> peaking too soon, or as a coach, were you just happy we're winning and you'll deal with the whole peaking, not peaking, which doesn't necessarily mean it isn't true, but at the same time, you can't tell your team to go out and lose so they don't peak. Well, I, you know, I think every coaching staff knows uh, when teams are playing well, and uh, and and when you are, you know, you uh, you kind of, I don't know, you 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 don't downplay it, but you want to just got, get, get, keep guys doing going forward and understanding their roles and doing what they're doing. Uh, but I but I think the maturity of this team, the coaching staff. Uh, there's a lot of really good things that we can say about the Jazz right now, but probably uh, none more than this is a group collectively that understand their roles, the system. Uh, they like each other. You know, a lot of the things that some teams struggle with, regardless of talent, and, and certainly there's significant talent here, but it's the collectiveness of everybody understanding a role, everybody understanding a system, uh, you know, next man up when somebody's hurt, all of those things. So, I mean, we're as coaches, we are a little bit superstitious. But when things are good, you know, enjoy it and continue to get better. I, I think that it's when you're playing well and winning that there's even more of an attention to detail from coaches, staff to players, from players to players. They, they sense and know that this is something special this year. And uh, they don't want to look back and have any regrets in terms of, well, we, we kind of got a little bit soft here. We didn't continue to, you know, execute our roles and play together. You know, you don't want to look back ever and see that. So you do the little things, more film, more conversations, tweaking things constantly to keep that, that momentum going. When, when you look at Utah, uh, Utah franchise isn't supposed to go 19-1. and one. It's not supposed to have multiple All-Stars. This is supposed to be a place that – is out in the middle of nowhere, and people don't like coming here, and it's cold, and it's snowy, and it's backwater, uh, but yet this team is just playing great ball probably as well as it can play. How much do you think all that stuff as far as this rep being this place that isn't a glamour spot can actually work to the advantage of the players in terms of, man, nobody really thinks you can get the job done in Salt Lake. So if you do get it done, Seems like it's wow. That would be something even more special than just getting it done. Actually, I think every guy in that team has has that mentality. I mean, you can just as you watch them, and I don't get to see them 
up close and personal as, as you do, the two of you do, but um, I, I think that all of those things play into it. And I think coaching staffs take advantage of that. I think leaders and teams of, of players, they understand that, uh, you know, this isn't a media capital in the country. There's not going to be a great deal of attention. However, it's hard to ignore 19 out of 20. <laughs> and I, you know, one of the things that I enjoy, I mean, I listen to a lot of serious NBA radio and just because I enjoy it. And, uh, and I, I think Utah Jazz have everybody's attention. They understand it. But there's always, in fact, I heard Thurl Bailey on, uh, on the radio yesterday. And, you know, the question always comes up, well, uh, let's see how they do the Lakers. Can they beat the Lakers? You know, can, or is it the Clippers? There's always that question, uh, do they have the ability at the next level to, to – well, those are things, like Thurl said, those are things you don't know. But at the end of the day, I think his comments were, were, were really, really good. It's like there, there's no one in this organization that doesn't believe that they can't beat anyone. And, and that's where their mindset is. But you still have to do it. But they're just looking for things to talk about because in terms of the play, uh, when people are injured, guys stepping up, uh, you know, the Jazz is probably the greatest stretch of NBA basketball in the history of, of the organization, I would think. Uh, and so that's, there's nothing but good that comes from that. And, and this is a mature group. It's not a, a, a young group where you have to, a bunch of rookies or you have guys where their priorities aren't straight. I mean, there are a lot of things impacting this, this league this year. I mean, there really are. I mean, from COVID to start with and all the protocols, uh, literally no home court advantage, uh, games postponed, teams with injuries, quick turnarounds, playing more games than they've ever played in a short period of time. All of these things are impacting teams in the league, and yet they don't seem to be impacting the Jazz. I mean, Conley goes down for five games, and Ingles at three out of four games scores in the mid-20s. I mean, people are stepping up. So it seems to me that all the outside distractions and issues and challenges haven't impacted the Jazz. They've they just kind of gone – all right, next man up, let's go forward, let's, let's deal with this. Whereas some teams have been just devastated and, by the protocol. And, and literally guys aren't playing night in and night out, and it's hard to get that continuity. And the Jazz have experienced some of that as well. But the maturity of this team, the experience of this team, they kind of got through all that. And it really, you just see a team that seems to be oblivious to all those things I just talked about that impact team success. And, and I think that's just – the fact that they've got a wonderful system in place, they've got good coaches, and they've got mature players that uh, know their roles, and uh, you can just plug one guy in for another, and, and they understand that. And when you have under, when you have players understanding their roles, uh, I don't care what level, high school, junior high, whatever, you're going to be better. And this team has that, and uh, then that just increases the confidence of every person in the program. So when you talk about guys knowing their roles, you know, Royce O'Neal's role is to uh, move the ball, occasionally hit the open shot, and some of his teammates have said they wouldn't mind if he took a few more shots that he's passing some up. But basically his role is defend Antetokounmpo one night, Butler another night, and then Simmons the night after that. And sometimes he's on tiny little point guards, and sometimes he's on massive guys like Jokic. 
And we don't talk about it much because, uh, you know, offense is more fun to talk about than defense unless you're Gobert blocking shots at the room. But can you speak to what it's like to have a guy who's versatile and can defend that many different guys? Well, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's something a coach loves. And, and the more guys that can guard multiple positions, you are better able to deal with injuries, sickness, protocols, and so forth. You just plug somebody else in. And Royce has been a guy that has done that, but they, they have others that are capable and willing and willing to accept another role, not worrying about the next contract, worrying about this or worrying about that, or trying to uh, appease you know this particular faction of people, family members, coaches, whomever. There, there just doesn't seem to be those types of distractions with this team. And so, with a guy like Royce O'Neal, I mean, as a coach, you you love those types of guys that could guard the three, they could guard the four, they could guard the five, you know, and I, I always felt like I, as a coach, I liked going smaller in college because everybody was interchangeable, especially defensively, where you could switch everything. And uh, and that just made it more difficult, you know, and you can put those kind of lineups. I mean, most of my experience at at, uh, at every level, high school, junior college, division one level, end of games, I seldom went big. I wanted to have the ability to defend uh, in the most simple way that I could and not make myself vulnerable where people could take advantages of weaknesses. I wanted to have my best defensive group to finish games off. And, and, and when you have that, you have a, rather than you know size is important and having, having bigs is important, but sometimes it can be a detriment in late-game situations because of the ball screen actions and you get mismatches, whereas – there's no advantage gained when you play a little bit smaller. And, and the Jazz have the ability, not that 6'7 and 6'8 is small at the professional level, but they have the ability. A guy like Royce O'Neal can guard any position on the floor. And the more guys you can have do that, uh, the more consistent you're going to be. Uh, there'll be less slippage in games defensively. And, and, and like you mentioned it, I mean – it, it, he knows what his role is. It, it's not about him. I mean, he's going to have nights where he knocks shots down, and and that's great. But that's not his sig- most significant role on this team. Did you get to know Ryan Smith at all? Yeah, I, I do know Ryan through just meeting him and talking to him. And, and it, he he was in school and finishing school. And I know when I'd come back and I would I would be with Dave or Tim McComb and and I met Ryan a few times on the golf course, and knowing from afar, I, my, I think that uh, my, I have one of my children just moved back to Provo, and uh, their uh, their daughter is is good is part of a dance group that's there, so they're they're having a little more interaction than I've had. But I've watched Ryan from afar, but but not in a real personal basis, other than that we have met several times, but never a real relationship. Steve Cleveland joining us, our basketball insider here. You mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, health and injuries and uh, big games going forward. And we'd all circled these big games against the East, and the Jazz have swept them. And next up is the Clippers twice and the Lakers before the All-Star break. You're in California, and you're following your Lakers, and you're following Paul George, who played for you. And AD's out, and it looks like he's not going to play until after the All-Star break. And now the Clippers have won their last two games without their two stars. Kawhi Leonard's been out, and Paul George has been out for a half dozen games. Do you think the Jazz are going to see any of these stars, or are these guys all going to be sitting when the Jazz play them? 
No, I don't. I don't think AD. I think you're right. I don't think AD is going to play until after the All Star game. There, there's no. I mean, he's got to get better. I mean, the Lakers can't. He has to have a significant role for the Lakers to win. I mean, they just do not have. He compliments so many other people. So I, yeah, I, I think they're going to sit him, and uh, they may, you know, finish uh, a little farther down in the standings than they'd like. But they need a healthy AD. Uh, both Paul and uh, Kawhi have, have missed significant games, and guys have stepped up, and they've won a couple of games with without those guys. So, you know, I, I think number one, I, I don't think that this is a really mature Jazz team. They're they're not going to be tricked in. I mean, the, hey, this is the NBA. Guys step up. Guys that don't have opportunities step up, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, uh, you know, guys are. Simmons goes for 42 last night. It was like, well, why is that not doing that every game? Well, because Embiid didn't play. You know, and I, and I think that at the end of the day, every team has guys that can play once given an opportunity. So I, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that the Jazz aren't going to overlook the Clippers. Uh, it, you know, if you were going down to play the Clippers in a normal situation, playing two games back-to-back, whether you had fans and you had this and you had that, you know, you know, you'd really be in for a test. I mean, there's a—it's not going to be quite the same thing, but I don't think the Jazz are going to get tricked into fooling themselves, thinking, "Hey, we're going to go down there. They're missing good guys." That's, that's just not the maturity of this team. I mean, that's not, the coaching staff's not going to allow that. There'll be difficult, challenging places to play. Guys will step up for them. I, I don't know if if they're going to play, but even if they don't play. Uh, nobody can just take a night off and go down and think you're going to win in the NBA just because the superstars aren't there. But yeah, is, would you rather, uh, you know, not have them play? Yeah, probably as a coach. I'd rather not have Paul and, and, and Kawhi out there. But that's not what they're wishing for. But it just seems to be happening all over throughout the league where a lot of the superstars are not there. So, yeah, it's not the same situation. With no fans and guys down a man or two, uh, the Jazz are still going to have to play well. You're on the road. And uh, the, I just can't see the Jazz overlooking anybody regardless of who's playing. That's just not the makeup and DNA of this team. And so they're, they're going to be prepared. And, uh, you know, the playoffs will be the playoffs. But just getting through this season is uh, quite a chore in itself. And nobody's done it better than Utah. So we're seeing this with the Clippers and the Jazz playing this two-game series, both in Los Angeles. We're seeing it at the college level, too. We've got Utah State, Boise State. Both of these games are going to be in Boise this week. As a fan, I like it because it it adds a little extra intrigue, these little mini-series things. What do you think of this as a coach? Hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, I'd rather be playing at home than on the road on those back-to-backs. But but uh, I like it. I I like it, and, and I and I and I think that you've got a you got your group focused. You're there for a week. You know everybody's you know kind of got their minds right, and, uh, and 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 there's a quick turnaround. Uh, and when all things are somewhat equal, you know there's a great disparity in you know in talent, which you know with Boise State and that's the, and Utah State, two really good basketball teams. So as a fan, I number one, I completely agree with you. As a coach, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, I like the quick. I'd like the quick turnaround. You get an opportunity, especially when you're going on the road. You've got a chance to steal one there. Uh, you know, would you rather play two at home? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not the case. But I do like it. It's what they have to do to catch up and make up. It, this, this whole collision thing is going to be interesting 
to see who goes to the tournament, who doesn't. I mean, I'm looking at conferences where one team's, you know, three and three and somebody else is uh, 10 and two, you know, <laughs> you know, one, one team's played 11 games, one's played six or seven. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll never have to go through this again, but I like it. I like it. And I think I like it as a coach as well. You, you've got everybody's full attention. You're going to get the most out of them and you're not going to have 6,000 people in Boise screaming and yelling at you. And so that does make a difference. I'm telling you, N- not having fans, uh, and, and at times it, it, it can be an advantage for the visiting team going into a place, even though the baskets are different and the set, it, you know, the environment's a little bit different. You know, a couple of shoot-arounds, you get used to the environment. So I, th- I think it's an advantage for teams that are on the road where they're playing back-to-backs, where they're not dealing with the fan base, where they're maybe dealing with somebody that's injured. So uh, I think there's no longer the disparity, and now it's a huge advantage coming to – University of Utah or BYU or Utah State, we, we know that. But it, it, let's, let's be honest with each other. There's a huge difference in playing where there's a full arena and a ton of noise. It impacts games. And you, that element to competition in the NBA this year doesn't exist. And it may not exist even through, who knows, we, we might be back in the bubble again. Well, hopefully not. But it is different. And, and I think for teams that are more mature, they handle that better. Than, than, than those that don't have it and just, uh, you know, can't cope with travel, can't cope with protocols and all the other things that are happening. So I think in that respect, Utah Jazz are, are one up on everybody just because of their experience, maturity, and their focus. Well, to your point, the news is breaking right now. San Antonio's got four positive tests and the league's postponing the next three games, sources tell ESPN. And Charlotte's undergoing contact tracing and will have their next two games postponed. So, yes, it is a season unlike any other. Uh, but one of the things that's happening with these, uh, these series PK's talking about, these two games in three days, is it's minimizing travel. And... Dennis Lindsay said that was one of the big lessons of the bubble, that the players all told him, wow, I'm not getting on off airplanes. I feel totally different. How big a deal do you think it is for the pros, and is it the same deal for college, or is it a little less of a deal because they're traveling regionally? What do you think about the lack of travel that this brings to it, minimizing the travel? Well, I mean, anytime you minimize, I think it's a good thing, uh, considering all the issues and elements that you're dealing with right now. So it makes perfectly good sense. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, I know just collegially speaking, you know, when when teams can fly in and sleep in their own beds, you don't think that makes a difference? Or I, we go to San Diego State, we come back, and we're in my bed by 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'll, I'll get to sleep in my own bed versus going through uh, terminals, uh, riding a bus, you know, playing a game. You, you're now you're I, – I can – I'll never forget uh, – we are one of our first year, our first year at BYU where there was a snowstorm and, and we were obviously, uh, you know, a, a team that uh, didn't have a great deal of talent, you know, great young man, a lot of heart, but I can remember weather patterns and circumstances where we're driving a, a bus to, to, uh, to Vegas. Uh, we're flying, getting into Albuquerque at, at two in the morning. Uh, no, no shoot around, uh, no pregame, just get there. We did a walkthrough. I mean, it was crazy. And yet somehow, some way, we found a, found a way to win there in that particular game. But in most times when teams, the advantage to collegiate teams that can fly in and out is a huge advantage over those that have to go through public transportation. 
and and, uh, and I and I think with the pros who do have do do fly in and out and already have access to all those things, uh, the transportation it, it, it just saves your body. It, you know, just being on your feet, eating you know in, in different restaurants and and dealing with the time and and not sleeping well. You know, I mean, that, I mean, I know everybody saying, well, how can a 28 year old not sleep well? You know. But at the end of the day, well, that travel can catch up with you, and it does make a difference. So, again, another thing for, uh, for everybody, I mean, it impacts everybody, that you have a better opportunity to win on the road when uh, you're not having to deal with, even at the pro level where they've got private jets and everything, it's still sleep issues, weather issues, uh, the environment issues, all the things that, that go into traveling. It's never easy to play on the road, uh, but it's easier today than it was you know, two years ago. And that win you speak of at the pit might have been the most improbable one that I've ever covered in person in my entire life. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think about that weekend, and uh, we're going, I think they were 13th or 14th ranked. They were, they were ranked pretty high. Yeah. And the, the irony of that game is, uh, Justin Whitehower, who had was kind of like the lone That's senior. Larry on that Bird, team. you're talking about, not Justin yeah, Whitehower. Exactly. <laughs> he hits his first ten shots in a row. And, you know, here's the funny thing about that game. And I, I mean, it's one of those impression impressionable things in your life as a coach. We're up like eighteen or twenty at half, and at the first TV timeout in the second half, we're up two or four, and we're going, "Oh my!" And the place is going crazy, and somehow, some way, you know. Uh, Danny Bauer hit a couple big threes. Ron Solis made up. I mean, it was one of those improbable games. And I will tell you a little inside peek on that. I remember the the meeting that we went to. This this is where we had the you know it took us forever to get everywhere because of the snowstorm. But I can remember you know trying to say something positive in a team meeting after we did film and we were going to get ready to get on a bus and I. We needed to win two games to make the tournament. That, that time, the WAC was 16 teams. And I remember turning to them and said, we can do this. You know? And, I, and I, I was trying to be as positive as I could. And I walked out the door and I go, that was probably the stupidest thing you've ever said. You know? I mean, I thought the, that doubt crept into my head. But then I went right back in. I said, listen to me. I'm telling you, you can go and win in these places. You know? And so winning that game and then – that next day, we, we go to El Paso, and UTEP wasn't ranked, but they had a really good team and a Hall of Fame coach and Don Haskins. And uh, for another time, I'll share with you my experience. I have a Coach Haskins, but he came down and introduced himself to me, congratulated us on the win, and uh, I don't think he thought we had a snowball's chance in hell of winning there. That <laughs> night, triple overtime, we beat them and qualified for the tournament. Probably the single most significant event over a weekend that I've ever been involved with with a young group of guys, uh, not a lot of experience, a lot of junior college guys, and they found a way to get it done. So that is one of the great memories of with a group of guys. And anytime we see each other, we kind of always talk about that. How, how did that happen? <laughs> but it did. And so you, you never stop believing. Steve, as always, we appreciate a little time. Thanks for joining us. Sorry you're not here shoveling snow with the rest of us. We finally got snow, yeah. but... Now you're in Fresno. You probably have fog. We have a little bit of not so much fog anymore, but it is much much nicer weather. Golfing weather. Yeah, you win. <laughs> All right, guys. Take Thanks, care. Steve. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Andrew Greif, 
L.A. Clippers writer, covers the Clippers for the L.A. Times. He will join us coming up at 9.30. The Clippers keep winning even without their stars. We'll talk with him coming up in a little more than half an hour, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Different athletes have wanted parts of the franchise before. Didn't you get 15 points in your uh, semi-pro hockey team? Didn't you, didn't you get 15% of that club? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. But I was, uh, I don't want to get into what it. What was the name of the goalie you had on that team there, Gordon? Well, for a couple of years it was Bill Puxley, but, you know, <laughs> in, uh, I, I sort of, we've parted ways. I haven't really kept up with him. Bill Puxley. <laughs> Man, he could really stop that puck. <laughs> Not to be confused no, with the no, right no. winger, John Ice Nettington. <laughs> Catch the big show weekday from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join hands with Scotty G Friday from 10 to 2 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Who's going to say boom, you or me? You. Boom! Speaking of boom, the Jazz lowering the boom... Again, eight in a row. 19 out of 20. PK, why can't people sit back and just let the victories wash over them? Enjoy the good times. Why the stress over worrying about what somebody who lives halfway across the country thinks? Why, PK? Why? I think that's who we are, though. You want the glory that goes with what you've earned. And right now, in a sense, they're not getting the respect that they've earned. I mean, you're 19-1, and that's awesome, man. Never I thought at any point over any game stretch, any 20-game stretch, I should say, that I would say that this ball club was 19-1. and They've taken a dramatic leap. This is not incremental. You know, they talked for years about not skipping steps. Well, they skipped steps <laughs> for the for the good, so they're not going to complain and throw it back. But they're they're not supposed to be this good. I don't think. I think most of us had us had them competing for a top four spot in the West. I think that was reasonable. But I don't think that we had them as we're just what uh, probably about ten days away from the halfway point. <clears throat> and it's uh, games are going to be fluctuated as you just spoke. The Spurs are shutting it down. Charlotte's going to be down for two games. The Jazz game that they play is the fourth game on their schedule going forward. So we'll see how that plays out. That game is supposed to be Monday here in town. Hopefully it happens. But they're bearing down on having the best record. If they have this all-star game, they usually have the coaches with the best record in the first half, which means Quinn Snyder is just about clinched getting the opportunity to coach that thing. So they've skipped a step, or if not more, depending on what your opinion is. I don't think any of us would disagree that they've skipped a step because I don't think we had them this good. And that is a tremendous story, but yet the story is slow to catch on to the level of the winning. So why wouldn't that bother people? you got Draymond Green going off yesterday. I think it was yesterday, right? That's when I first heard That's what I saw. I saw last night when I was looking during the Jazz game. So I assume it was yesterday uh, of him complaining about unfairness in terms of, well, if a player has to be traded and sits out, he catches all all sorts of grief. But if the team wants to trade Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond and they sit those guys out, it's no big deal. 
Uh, so he's seeing that as inequity, and he's lashing out. People lash out at inequity to go big picture, far more important. That's the essence of racism is lashing out as this inequity. Now, compared to the jazz getting publicity, obviously racism is a thousand trillion times more important. We all understand that. But still, in its own little sphere, little sector here, they don't seem to be getting the love that equals the amount of winning and people would be naturally bothered by that if you're a fan of that team. I can understand that. Yeah, and all of that, the thing I would disagree with the most is uh, the expectations. A little big picture, I agree with you. They are skipping a step. No one had them competing for the top spot in the West. No no one I heard speak anyway. I mean, there's somebody out there, but I didn't hear it. I They competed for four last year. I thought the goal this year was get into the 2-3 series. Right. And now we're recalibrating the goal. The goal now is we'll avoid the 2-3 series. Yeah. <laughs> what in the yeah. world do you want to play? You don't want a path where you got to play the Clippers and Lakers in back-to-back series regardless of the order. If you can let them beat up on each other in the second round, you take your chance with uh, Phoenix or uh, San Antonio. Uh, who Denver. Else? Denver could end up being in there. Uh, you know. Portland, certainly Portland. Yeah, that was who I was trying to think of. You know, who knows? Uh, it's so congested between four and seven, eight, nine that you don't know who's going to be in the four or five series and then whoever wins it. So take your chances with them, and it might be pick your poison. I mean, it's all about matchups, and when you get there, you know, who's healthy and who's playing well, and maybe they'd be a tougher matchup for one isolated reason because of one matchup. If you, if you have a problem, and I think that's really the goal now for Quinn Snyder. If you have a problem and other teams are capable, they will attack that problem and ignore it, everything else. They will attack that problem every single possession, quarter after quarter throughout the playoffs. So I think the goal for the Jazz now is, yes, keep winning games and be the one seed, but you've got to find out what your problems are and minimize them because your strengths, I mean, they're, they're great, but other teams are going to attack your weakness. They're going to make you do offensively what you do worst. And they are defensively going to attack you wherever you are weakest. So how do you sh- how do you shore that stuff up? And and for most teams right now, and the Jazz seem to be overcoming it effortlessly. It's probably I would say it's the most impressive part of the run is that during this run they've missed key guys for a lot of games. You know, Joe missed four. Mike Conley's missed five now. Donovan and Derek Favors missed a couple, and it was the same couple. So that's eleven games they haven't had their guys, and they've gone eleven and zero. Now we're looking at Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, all missing anywhere from some to a significant number of games. And can these teams keep rolling? And, and the short-term answer for the Clippers is, yeah, every bit as much as the Jazz. They, they, they didn't have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George Sunday, and they won. And they didn't have him again last night, and they won again. So how long can they keep that up without their two stars is an excellent question. And will they have to? It was a leg contusion for Kawhi, so it seems like he could be back from that any time. Both of those guys are out. They go 0-2 against the Jazz. You would think, right? No, I guarantee. Oh, guarantee. Guarantee. Quit saying it that way. That's bugging me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then all the more reason to do it. I learned it from watching you. That's the kind of person you are. When I find out something bugs you, I immediately cease and desist. What? That's who I am. You you just like to peck, 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 peck. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. You're the woodpecker. And with that in mind, I think you can do it to a short term. Now, as far as the Jazz go, man, you lose Gobert, all bets are off. Not in a one game. I'm talking over a sustained period. 
That would seem to be the biggest problem looming out there if it were to happen. Hopefully it won't happen. Yes, very much so. And I I don't know how this virus stuff works. Uh, Do the players deserve credit? Do the coaches? I mean, they really being stringent? I I assume they are. But I don't know that somebody who isn't or somebody who also is doesn't also get it. So I don't really know. But it's great to see that that hasn't been an issue on this team this year. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Andrew Greif, L.A. Clippers writer for the L.A. Times, coming up in about 20 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Little football news to pass along. Yacht just told me BYU scheduled USF, and I thought the basketball team had fit a couple games into it. No, it's football. They're not filling out the basketball schedule. It's football for uh, 2022 and 2024. Home and home with South Florida. But Gregor Bell came to your rescue on Twitter, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's just, he put out like the games that BYU's had postponed due to basketball conflicts. Really, only one of them looks like it will be, could be rescheduled, and that's the game against San Francisco. There's one window, I guess, that. So there could exists. be USF on multiple fronts. Sure. Uh, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have on the Clippers beat writer, Andrew Greif, in the segment. We usually recap everything. So, PK. If we break away from the basketball or the jazz from just a couple of minutes here, there's a little uh, Utah football news to pair up with the BYU football news here about a uh, a possible transfer, a link to the Ute roster, something that might get Ute fans just a little excited. Uh, yeah, I heard that they're in line potentially to get a, uh, a transfer out of Oklahoma, who's, who's played a lot. Uh as a defensive back, uh, Ridley Hiles, they call him Bookie. I think his name, first name is, I don't know what it is, Marcus or something. But anyway, Bookie. Not Boogie, but Book. Like Booker, Bookie, Ridley Hiles. Brendan Radley Hiles. Brendan. There you go. Nobody calls him that, though. But he's played. And actually, uh, Lincoln Riley was on, he put his name in a transfer portal. Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley was saying he's going to hope that he stays. But he's buddies. What's that, that kid's name? Is uh, T.J. Pledger, the running back? Correct. Uh, that they got from Oklahoma, and these two guys are tight, best friends. Whatever is what what I heard. Uh, I, this is all secondhand. I haven't bothered to verify it all. I'm just put it out there. But you get an opportunity to uh, bring somebody in who, who's played at Oklahoma in the defensive backfield. And, and Kyle continues to mine the, the transfer portal, as you should. Why shouldn't you? It's out there, so you might as well take advantage of it. Like Herm Edwards calls it the free agent period. Right. <laughs> Which I but guess it, is essentially it's, what it is. It's who these guys are, and it's so – we talk about how sports is changing, you know. And you, you referenced something from – I don't remember what we were talking about, but you referenced something – from the Utes Mountain West era, there was some trend or whatever. And then you said, but really, that's like a different age. You know, that's like a different era. And, it, it, you know, the Pac-12 era, as far as the Utes, we got, a, we got a decade of sample size now. It needs to stand on its own. And, like, inside that decade, everything's changed. I had the transfer portal now versus five years ago. 
When did the transfer portal officially become a thing, Yak? When did your life change? It's been around for three years now. Three years, right? So five years ago, it's not a thing. And now it's, ah, I can't say it's more important than signing day, but it seems like it's pulling up alongside it. And, and, and the way kids look at this, Radley Hiles, just, and man, I mean, like seriously, before all this broke, I had no, I mean, I've watched Oklahoma football, obviously, but uh, he didn't jump out at me or make any impression on me. And he is from Inglewood, but he went to the IMG Academy in Florida, and then he signs in Oklahoma, and now if he ends up transferring to Utah, the guy is literally not out of college, and he's played in every time zone. Well, it's like, this is crazy, PK. This is completely different than anything that's come before it in college sports. That you would have a kid who would be coming in, where would he be as far as eligibility? Senior. So is he going through his senior, so he get, because he got the free year last year, or? Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. Right, exactly. So that's confusing, too. But that's up to the individual and. So I don't know about but, that. That's, that's why the Oregon quarterback can say he graduated and has three years because he's going to take right? back. The, so even he may not use it, <laughs> no. but he's, he's announcing that he has three years. So that makes him more desirable. Uh, Brendan Radley Hiles was a 2018 five-star. Yeah. Not a big kid, but a five-star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inglewood to Bradenton to Norman to dot, dot, dot. Maybe Salt Lake City? <laughs> well, that's where in the Florida situation is where he got in the connection with the Pledger kid. Yeah. And that's where they became buddies is what I were, were, was told as far as that goes. And then he's um, that kid goes to Oklahoma and, and uh, then what he, is going to be. A, he's already at Utah, as I understand. Yeah. And I think both those kids played against East High because IMG Academy came here. And I think it was, I think, I think they were still in high school. I, I think it was that 2017 season. I'm not positive on that. I think it was three years ago. Three oh, high school right. seasons ago. So, yeah, all right. Well, there you go. There you go, Ute fans. Rally around that. The defensive backfield, that is, and he, defensive backfield, it's already pretty good. You can never have enough depth, right? Kyle always talks about you're playing five guys uh, on any given snap, and so you're going to have to have more than that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not convinced that it's good or, or the, the great. Maybe it's good, and maybe they'll be better with experience. It stands to reason. But I'm not going to anoint this group as pretty good just yet. I mean, I, I saw average quarterbacks light them up. Uh, they, but, and they were young, so they have an opportunity to be improving. Yeah, so my point is that that this ought to make them better. I mean, you need you, you think, need more yeah. depth, and so whoever the weakest link is gets fewer snaps. He played a lot of nickelback. I think that's where they're thinking his uh, position would be, from what I'm hearing. So I think the bigger thing, though, is try to have success with this transfer portal. <clears throat> you know, I think they're going to have a starting quarterback. Well, certainly they're going to have a starting quarterback from the transfer portal. I think it's going to be this Baylor kid. Uh, and so if, if if you have holes, I don't know that you can rely on it too much, but if you have spots where you can plug kids in, I think that's, that's good. It's still the essence of recruiting the high school kid and developing that player. To me, it's more this is akin to the junior college situation. You have a specific need. 
you plug it in there, and that's good in the short term. So you have a John White and a Devin Booker, or not a Devin Booker, but uh, Devontae Booker, and so you're able to go uh, pretty much back-to-back, but then you get a Zach Moss, and then you have him in there for four years, and he ends up being all that and, and playing in the NFL. That's probably the way to go there. But, you know, if you have needs, you can take advantage of that any way you can to win ball games within the boundaries of the rules. I'm all for it because it's all about winning, and Kyle wants to win now. It's not about planning for any future. I think part of it with him being 62 years of age here coming up, um, not that that's really that old when you've got Nick Saban, who's much older than that, and Herm Edwards, much older than that. I just don't know that Kyle is going to be coaching, according to his own words, at 66, 67. So the emphasis is trying to win as much as you can right now, which is good. Well, I think the other thing is that regardless of what he decides to do there and, you know, whether he wants to coach two, four, six, eight, whatever, I just think the program's gotten to the point now where they're they're not going to be that far away from winning, and they may be very close. You know, they may be the favorite, whether it's in the division or the favorite in the entire conference. Uh, everything shifts with the transfer portal so quickly, you never know for sure. But they're not that far away. So if you have a chance to make a short-term move and it has an impact, especially given the nature of football, no matter how it's handicapped in, in you know, February or even August, I mean, injuries change everything in October and November. If you're not that far away, there's always a chance to go for it and things break your way and you win the conference. It's not like you're trying to bounce back from, you know, five and seven or six and six. You know, you've had a bunch of nine-win teams now or better. No, that's the position that they've been in. So go ahead and take advantage of it. And the Cougars, you got to find games. And you know, I'd prefer it to be Central Florida. South Florida won one game last year. They're one and eight and with a new coach. Uh, but, you know, they've been good in the past. They're a relatively new program to Division One. I. I don't think they started until like 2021 or so, or uh, 01, I should say. Uh, and I, the thing that I like about it is the return game, <clears throat> 2023, is the last Saturday in October. You know, try to get as many quality games. I don't know that that'll be a quality game, but it has the potential to be uh, as later in the season as possible because that's been the big knock for BYU is that, you know, you come out of the gates with gangbusters and then it peters out. Uh, try to get as many good games as you can later on in the season, and they're playing in 2023, Saturday, October 28th. So we'll see what kind of program Central Florida or South Florida has yeah. at that time. They have, uh, they have UCF in 23 and 24. Yeah. So uh, this that wraps up the 2023 season. I think that was the last game that they needed to plug in there. So, you know, uh, South Florida, you're right. It hasn't been that long. They were a 1AA team, and they came to Rice-Eccles Stadium, and the stadium was brand new. I think it might have been like the second or third game ever played in there. Maybe it was the second season. But so late late 90s, they were still at the championship subdivision level. So. New yeah. to new to it all, but they have had uh, you know they had a big year a couple of years ago when U, UCF was undefeated and Central Florida had uh, I think came into that game with one loss and lost to them for the second one. So they have been good. They've they've ridden the roller coaster that's for sure, way up and way down. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, Jazz Clippers tomorrow night and then again on Friday. Andrew Greif will join us. Is Kawhi Leonard going to play? Is Paul George going to play? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. 
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz win again. That is eight in a row. That is 19 out of 20. Jordan Clarkson goes for 40. And the Jazz... Outscore the Sixers 134 to 123. They have now swept the best in the East as the uh, Celtics and the Sixers and the Bucks, three of the top four teams these come through town, along with Miami, who went to the NBA Finals last year and had Jimmy Butler back. PK, the next hurdle should be the Clippers and the Lakers, who have the second and third best records in the NBA, but missing their stars now. AD's shutting it down, it looks like, till sometime after the All Star break. We'll see how long. And now the Clippers playing shorthanded without Kawhi Leonard and without Paul George. George's injury seems more serious, and he's been out six games, and Kawhi's been out two. It is time to talk Clipper basketball with Andrew Greif, Clipper writer for the L.A. Times. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on again. We are curious about the health of the Clippers, and I don't know what you can tell us because they probably don't want to come completely clean with the L.A. Times. And yet you have your ways. What, what do you know? What can you tell us about uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Yeah, with these guys in particular, they play everything really close to the vest. Um, they, you know, Kawhi has always for a long time, you know, wanted his health to be paramount. And so Clippers do not really disclose much until they really have to about his health. But what Ty Lue did say last night before they beat the Heat without four starters somehow um, was that they, uh, they're working back to normal, that those guys, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, are getting close to, closer to normal. Now, what that means for a timeline, still unclear. But I, there are encouraging signs with PG in particular. Uh, before Sunday night's game, uh, when they played and they won, he was out in the court working out before tip-off. It wasn't uh, you know like a fully active workout, but he was getting up shots. He wasn't doing a lot of dribbling, a lot of side-by-sides, what I mean. He was getting up shots, uh, making a healthy clip of them. So... The fact that he his swelling in his toe on his right foot has gone down enough to get him uh, back into sneakers, back into shooting form, is at least encouraging in that respect. So Clippers, you know, going big picture as far as what's going to be hopefully for them in the postseason, made a ton of changes over the offseason, you know, coaches and, and some players. How's it all coming together? I think that this week, the, the way they've beaten – um, the last two teams while being shorthanded. I think it's an interesting time to, to think about that because um, they really, when they made that move, wanted team, a team to get back to the way it played in 2019, 2018, 2019, when it was um, an underdog, kind of like they, they prided themselves on being scrappy and playing through and being hard-nosed and having good young players. That's what they wanted this team to get back to, and they felt like they'd lost that uh, in the last year. So that's what I think that, especially the way they beat Miami last night, again, without four starters, 
um, shooting the lights out, contributions from a number of young players, Amir Coffey, Terrence Mann. Um, that I think is a really, I, I, I think if you were to give everyone like truth serum around the Clippers headquarters today, they'd feel really good about what they, what they just saw because it's sort of like kind of the dream of when they let Doc go. Uh, they wanted these guys to play hard without excuses and how, you know, young guys really shine and the beats of Zubats have been playing. He's still a backup center, but he's playing the majority of fourth quarter minutes this year. And I think from his form and the other guys, they've really gotten a like of what they see. Andrew Greif joining us, Clippers writer for the LA Times. Uh, and I know they let the coach go, and it's always easier to blame the coach than it is the star player. But, man, from a distance, it looked like they lost that mojo they had a couple of years ago because they brought in stars, and it changes the chemistry in the locker room. And Kawhi doesn't seem like an outgoing, warm guy, and maybe he is, and maybe he just hides it from the public and hides it from the media. But it was like it seemed like his presence was a bigger part of this deal. I mean, the other guys, when he's not there, they can do this, and they did it two years ago, and I realize the supporting cast isn't exactly the same, but is Kawhi really cemented to the rest of the group, I guess? That's something that has been really helpful to hear from Serge Ibaka about. Because remember, they played together and they won together championship Mm -hmm. in in Toronto. They know each other really well. Um, they, They kind of understand what it takes to win big. And Serge had said that when he got here in training camp in December, he told Kawhi, like, you are the leader. You need to be the guy whose example we follow. Like, that's, you know, you have to be a little more vocal in that way and recognize that, like, um, you are going to be able to do kind of your own thing a lot of ways uh, because everyone really caters to, you know, obviously a free agent to be of his caliber will want to do. But, you know, you also have to set an example. Um, And, we asked Serge again two nights ago about, you know, just what have you seen from Kawhi kind of um, two months in? And he said that he's been much more vocal, um, much more willing to engage. He said he feels like Kawhi's learned from last year's failures of the team. Um, and so that is one kind of piece of the development where, you know, it's not just Serge. Other teammates have said that Kawhi definitely has been more um, – kind of, I guess, less at a remove from the rest of the team in terms of the day-to-day – I don't know if motivation is the right word, but just to kind of the encouragement, the talking. Um, and, and I think that is, he is more of that guy than his public persona would suggest. But even to, even behind the scenes, people say that he's been uh, kind of more outspoken this year than ever before. Where do you see weaknesses on this team? Um, you know, I think that one of the things that always gets pointed at is their, their kind of lack of a quote-unquote pure point guard. Um, I tend to be... A little, a little skeptical about it just because there are a lot of opportunities. But when Kawhi, George, Kawhi and Paul George are playing well, the ball is in their hand uh, almost all the time. And they, they both have usage rates above 30%, I believe, this year. Um, they are Paul George is the best distributor on the team, and it's really worked out well for them so far. So given kind of what they have to deal, given their financial flexibility, it's going to be hard for them, I think, to really go out and get a bunch of upgrades from Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. Um, they're, you know, they're kind of their starting guard and they're obviously their lead reserve guard. Um, so I think that that is one area that is kind of pointed to as, well, they need someone to initiate the offense more often when things get bogged down. But the reality of how you would go out and get that, I think is a little hard. Um, some people have talked about too, okay, is the big man, they need a third big man. Could Avita Zubats, you know, be that guy down the stretch in playoff games again? How is Serge Ibaka going to hold up? 
Um, both those guys in the last week have played their best basketball of the season. So that it's not a, it's not a long-term fix necessarily. You don't really know how it'll pan out in the playoffs, but um, that's been an encouraging thing too for the Clippers that kind of the big man depth um, seems to be working out pretty well right now. So there are plenty of people here who wonder what the rest of the world thinks of the Jazz. What does your part of the rest of the world think about the Jazz? I think they're just incredibly impressive. You know, I watched last night's game um, of Sixers, and uh, we just wrapped. You know, it's just like cause you don't get a whole lot of time sometimes to be able to watch the rest of the teams on the league uh, where you're just kind of head in the sand covering your own team. But I try to watch the Jazz every opportunity I get. I just think that it's so the defense is so impressive. Um, the ball movement, especially a couple nights ago, and obviously there were like the highlight reels where you know, guys are throwing it behind the back and then whipping it across the court. Those things stand out, but I think that there's just so much more that happens um, play to play with the ball movement that I'm just really impressed with. Obviously, the way Jordan Clarkson's playing is, is you know uh, unbelievable, and so I, I'm just really impressed. Like all the way down, Royce O'Neal just seems to give like he gives big minutes, uh, big shots. This seems like a very extremely complete, very a team that really knows what it is, and I think that's maybe I'm wrong on that, but just it just seems to be a team that knows exactly what it what it does well, exactly what it has to do to win. And in this season, when there's so much uncertainty and there's so little continuity for teams because of testing protocols or other absences or the compressed schedule or attrition, I think it's extremely valuable to know exactly what you are as a team. And Utah seems to at least know that down to a T. I think from a Jazz perspective, I think it's important to finish with that one seed. So if it plays out, you have the Clippers and Lakers going against each other in the second round. And then if you were to win, you would obviously face the winner in the conference final. Uh, How much do you think the Clippers care about playoff positioning? In the past, it was always, let's just get to the postseason healthy. Because there was a confidence that... You know, whatever the postseason path, obviously you want to have the most favorable one possible, but it was always the thought that as long as this roster can get their healthy, um, they feel good about their chances. You know, they just thought that the health is the key. Because if, if you, you, don't have, you don't have, you know, your top seven in, in about pretty good shape, then you're, you're sunk almost no matter what you do. Um, this team, I don't know, is quite as deep as last year's Clippers when they have the league's top scoring bench. Um, not the case this year. Um, they started off slowly with the bench. Um, you know, you've, you've had Nick Batum working. He's been really good. Uh, Luke Kennard has some questions. So I think they just really want to make sure they get to the playoffs um, with the roster feeling like, okay, these guys are good. We can play them in the heavy minutes. We don't have to worry about um, nagging injuries. But, the, you know, obviously the West, with the way the Lakers and the uh, Jazz are playing, you want to be able to skip one of those if possible. So I, I don't doubt that they, if it came down to it, um, they would love to grab that one seed, but I'm just curious. Obviously, with Anthony Davis out, um, you know, and the Clippers shorthanded, like how much of a buffer Utah can really put between itself and the rest of the West, the other, you know, two arguably best teams in the West in the next two or three weeks with with Anthony Davis being reevaluated. That's something that I'm really curious about. Like how much, how hard will it be to truly chase down the Jazz? Andrew Greif, L.A. Clippers writer for the L.A. Times, joining us. So as I see these uh, Clippers stars missing games, uh, 
there's there's a part of me that loves a good conspiracy theory. Isn't there part of all of us that loves a good conspiracy theory? Is there any chance they're kind of underlining these uh, injuries and, you know, when in doubt, have a guy sit out, partly because you want him to get healthy and partly because then you can pull him out of the all-star game without getting fined? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think that they, again, they just rather have these guys. This is a compressed season. Um, you know, what you do and you have a little, you have less ground to make up on other teams for that positioning. So I, I don't know if that would be the reason why, I mean, Patrick Beverly definitely was held out last night against Miami for rest. He's healthy, but because of his injury history, he just came off a stretch where he missed eight straight games with a knee injury. They're no longer playing him in back-to-backs, it sounds like. That's what Ty Lue had said last night, that it's a cautious thing. Um, they played Sunday. They played Monday. He played excellent Sunday, and they said, you're just not going to play anymore Sunday. Excuse me, Monday. So that was an example of that. Now, he's not in the running for the All-Star game. Um, Kawhi Leonard had come out and said that the NBA was putting you know, money over health. That was uh, a pretty remarkable thing to hear him say. So you know how he feels about it, but... I, I guess I would be surprised um, if this sort of, you know, holding a guy like him, like of his caliber out for multiple games would be with that in mind. How much of a difference and in what areas is Ty Lue making? He is someone when he was hired that the Clippers really felt like he would be an upgrade in his communication with guys. Um, one, because he is younger. Um, he's not, that far removed from his playing career. It's been a decade, but um, a lot of guys still remember him um, from being the player. You know, Marcus Morris has known him since he was much younger, coming up in Philly. Um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have had a previous relationship with him. So there's, there was already built-in trust there, and even Marcus said it last night, that last year he felt like he was in no man's land in terms of what his role was, what was needed from him. And Ty was very explicit very early on of, this is what we need. Um, in fact, you know, he's basically said, you're me coming off the bench. Nick Batum is working so well. Like, and Marcus said, okay, let's do it. So that's, that's one area where people feel like he is, um, uh, kind of better at defining roles and better at just keeping people on the same page. I think the hallmark of his, uh, what you're going to see on the court is the ball movement. Um, the, the passes are something that, um, is a big deal for the Clippers. They really felt like Last year's offense was way too star dependent. You know, if, if Kawhi and Paul George didn't generate it, uh, then they were stuck. And that's where the, the, the point guard issue really came up last year because they really did need someone who could get things moving when it wasn't just the stars. But it was so star dependent um, that it was, it was a problem in the end. This year, obviously, things still run through Kawhi and Paul George, but um, you've seen a much bigger emphasis on getting the ball moving around you know, getting into the paint, kicking out. The paint touches are probably the top category um, of statistic that Ty Lue tracks the most because he feels like once you get into the paint, you can open up everything from there. And so you're seeing a lot of kickout passes for threes, and that's why they are the league's top shooting three-point team. Um, so that's where I think that everything is still going to run through the two stars uh, whenever they get back. Um, but what the the hallmark of the Ty Lue era is, I would say, is that um, it really doesn't end with those two guys. It starts with them, it doesn't end with them. Is there anybody in the West, whether it is Phoenix, uh, Denver, if they were to improve, anybody who you think could get into that 4-5 or five series and be a problem for whoever the one seed ends up being, whether it's the Jazz, the Lakers, or the Clippers? I, both those teams you just mentioned are, are teams that um, I, I still think that 
whether they could, you know, really knock out a team and one seed. I don't know, but uh, I guess we're, we're deep enough into the year where you can start sort of start to take stock of a team's strengths and weaknesses. And those teams are not, I guess, um, as strong as I thought maybe the first week of the season, first two weeks. Um, but I would I would not bet against Chris Paul. You know, he's a guy who's just a winner, and so. I like that matchup if you're if you're the Suns and you're going in, you're saying, hey, it's bubble 2.0. Like, we have nothing to lose. Let's just go out there and have fun. That's a dangerous team. They still remember what they did in the bubble last year, going 8-0. So I think that that would be a team that you would want to avoid. Denver is, is something the Clippers would probably want to avoid just because of, you know, last year they've seen how those matchups can work against them. Um, it's a different team, obviously, but I really still like what Denver can do. Um, their, their top end talent, their ceiling is so good with Jokic at the, at the core of it that, yeah, that's a team that I don't think anyone wants to see. And the Clippers, although they're not going to have the same matchup problems that really sank them against the Nuggets, you know, they don't have Montrez Harrell to match up against Jokic for minutes on end and get picked apart for minutes on end. Um, it's still something where, you know, you're going to have to deal with Jamal Murray. You're still going to have to deal with Michael Porter Jr. You should have to deal with Jokic, and that's going to be really hard no matter what. He's Andrew Greif, L.A. Clipper writer for the L.A. Times. Andrew, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us. Thank you, Robert. No problem. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback is coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. When Michael Conley comes back, I hope Quinn realizes he's the third best point guard on this team behind Joe and Don. He should come in off the bench, eighth person off rotation. End of story. He's not all that. There's a great team right here in Utah, but a lot of sports dudes say they're kind of blah. That we'll never have what a champion has. Well, they can all kiss my chest. Oh, naughty. Thought we were going to have to hit the old dump button there, Yak. Hey, he fit Chompion <laughs> in there for you, PK. <laughs> like a personal favor. What do you mean he put in Chompion? What are you talking about? He understands the show. How else does he say it? He won a championship, don't you? No, championship. No, you're going for the ship, man. That's different. Jazz are going for the ship. Question of the day. The Jazz are rolling along at 23-5. and five. How much can they pull away from the Lakers now that Anthony Davis is out? And Russ corrects the question. The better question is, how many times will the national media use the injury to discount what the Jazz are doing? And Josh corrects that. He says they have a new reason to discount Utah every day, especially that wanker Stephen A. Let him. <laughs> When team after team loses in Utah in the playoffs. in Britain right now. Yeah, right? When team after team loses in Utah in the playoffs, the Jazz will eliminate the ability to discount them. Well, that's the ultimate great thing about pro sports is none of that stuff matters. In the end, the winner's the winner. And there's no qualifiers. Even if there are qualifiers, they don't count because you're still the winner. Don't have to worry about the selection committee. Don't no, have to worry no about vote. the seeding. Win games, get the seed you get, and then go win in the postseason. Yeah, first team is 16. That's the beauty of it. 16 playoff Ws. That's all that matters. And it doesn't matter if the other guys were hurt or this or that. 
I suppose maybe this year, if there's a big COVID thing, that would be a little bit different. But yeah, we're a few months away from that and expecting, uh, I don't know if it's just dreaming, but expecting things to be better in that realm at that point. So when I'm, uh, I'm not going to even talk about that because it could be a waste of time. There's nothing you can do about it anyway. And they may postpone games in the, in the finals if it came to that rather than cancel them so or play them with half a team or whatnot. You know, we see some in uh, college and some guys, some teams are literally playing with like seven scholarship players and they're making them play. And the seven scholarship players want to play because they probably haven't played for two weeks <laughs> or what have you. Right. So that's yeah, all jacked up, but I don't think we've seen that at the pro level and I don't think we'll see that in a, in a postseason. Jazz are rolling at 23-5. and five. How much can they pull away from the Lakers now that Anthony Davis is out? Brandon tweets at us and says, I don't know, but I'd rather have a go at them with a full lineup before the playoffs. They're going to play the games anyway. I'd rather see the full lineups than uh, a mishmash of whoever is available, but it is what it is, as the cliche goes, and if I were the Lakers, there's no chance I'd run Anthony Davis out there before the playoffs. And I think that's what the Lakers are going to do, before too. Before the playoffs? Oh, excuse me, before the All-Star. Sorry, before the All-Star game. I'm looking at the word playoffs. Uh, before the All-Star game, and then after the All-Star game, see. So the Jazz are going to see a shorthanded Laker team. Not yes. as clear to me what the Clippers are going to be doing, especially by Friday. Um, yeah, I think that's overstated, though, in the short term, because any given game, these teams are not that one-player-centric to where they can't overcome it. Right, but it's still a different beast. But you're right. I mean, there are times where losing a guy can really fire everybody up. And so would you rather have that one guy there, or would you rather have seven other guys thinking, hey, it's more shots for me, I get to handle the ball more, or, you know, whatever it is. Well, I mean, we saw it just as recently as last night with Simmons and, and Harris yep. going off. I don't think they go off to that level of – because. Oh, Embiid is going to get his just about every game. And then on the flip side, I don't think there's any question. Joe probably doesn't want to address it, but he's just playing way better with Conley out. And the, the good thing about it is he, compared to last year coming off the bench, the differences were startling most of the season. This year, the difference isn't as startling. He's playing better as a starter. He's more productive anyway statistically. But it's not like coming off the bench, he's that far behind relative to where he was last year. And we're, we're in this situation this year again, but with Conley, oh, should he come off the bench and all? I, I, I think as far as the, the great thing about Joe and being the ultimate egoless player, you already got a good thing with him coming off the bench. So why mess that up when Mike's ready to go? Now, some people say, well, you got a good thing with him starting. Why would you mess that up? Because you are, you're changing it a little bit. It's like Quinn talked about last night, taking Clarkson out for the last four or five minutes. That's what they've been doing. And they've been winning games. And you can be the most unorthodox, craziest coach in the world. As long as you're winning, nobody cares. Nobody cares what the plan is when you win. Yeah. They want to know the plan. And the plan can be important if you're losing. Then people say, well, the plan is good, and they've just been unfortunate, and you can go to the injuries or the opponent or bad luck or bad calls, you know, whatever. There's a long list of stuff. Where you really get in trouble is when the plan is bad and the results are bad. That's when you're sunk. That's when they start firing people. So right. I, I think that to your point, 
you know, what we don't know, the X factor in all of this, is we don't know how, Co- how Conley would play coming off the bench. And because they're playing so well, this is not the time to find out. So when, when he's back, he'll go back into his role, and we'll have to see if he comes back with a minutes restriction and all of that, you know, so there could be some transition phase here. I, I just think Joe's a better player coming off the bench, and I think the biggest factor, there's probably a lot of them, and his comfort and, you know, confidence is one of them, but he needs to be playing with better players. You know, he is great. He is at his best when the mixer is on and other teams are in the scramble. And when he's playing with less effective players, a big guy who can't finish at the rim and perimeter guys who can't shoot threes, they don't go into the scramble. Joe can't shoot because people don't leave him, and Joe doesn't get assists because the other guys can't finish. When you put him out there with better players, he's really going to shine, especially when his decision-making's on display when the other team is scrambling to match up. So... That's what he's got going right now, and that's a big part of why his numbers are so good. But I just don't think you can underestimate, going back to your point about the Sixers, which is also true with Conley out, you take a player out, there's more, there's more shots, there's more touches, you're more into the flow of the game, you're playing an important role, and your numbers ought to go up. And there's no chance those two guys would have gone for 42 and 36 of him. The numbers are astounding. <laughs> the numbers are astounding, but they're astounding because Embiid is out. And when he comes back, he'll get shots and touches, and Simmons won't get on the early game roll because he'll be feeding Embiid early on and then watching him go to work. Embiid got to eat. Feed the big man. All right, we got to take a break and make way for Hans and Scotty. They are coming up next. See you tomorrow morning. It'll be a game day for the Jazz. Jazz and Clips tomorrow night. Hands of Scotty next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.